Hey, strangers, welcome to a new episode of The Strange Sessions, and welcome to Season 7. Season 7. Season 7. Craziness. I am Kurt, and I am here, as always, with my lovely co-host, Krista. Hi, Kurt. Hi. I, we feel like we're just haven't done I'm this. I'm a little in, giddy. Yeah, like we haven't done this in so long together. We haven't sat across from no, each other it's in been a couple a while, months. And I wasn't 100% sure we were going to today because there's inches of snow on the ground like since last night. It's here. But I was just mad that we barely got any snow. And then when we're going to do the podcast, all of a sudden we get hammered with Dumped snow. On. So I'm like, nope. We I, have well over a foot at this point. I'm like, I should make it okay. And then I, I passed one car in the ditch, but I made it. He made it. So we are back together, reunited, and it feels so good <laughs> for season seven. Yes. And I'm actually super excited about this season because I think we have a lot of good stuff coming. I think so. I'm excited. Uh, this episode is not included in that. Because no, I this feel is like, going to be a hot I feel, mess. <laughs> I feel like, well, I feel like this is, plus my, I feel like it's not that good of an episode from my... You don't love re- the topic? I don't love the topic. Mm. There was one part that I'm interested in, and you'll obviously see what part that is because I'll spend way more time talking about that That's section. Funny. Because it's our show and you can do it. you want. <laughs> exactly. Hey, so, I want to mention, if you're just tuning in for the first time. We apologize in advance. Yeah, sorry. Um, but also, <laughs> we we do like a taste test. We welcome new strangers. And we if you open don't packages. S- we open packages. If you don't want to sit through that, check the show notes. Kurt will post the timestamp of the yeah, actual topic. We talk about the weather start. for 10 minutes. Yep, we already did that. We okay. covered, we did the <laughs> weather already. So yep. you're good there. I want to give a shout out. We only had one new stranger since our last episode. We did our, have a prologue. Our prologue In case episode. you missed it. Yes. And that is Monica Padilla or Padilla. I'm Padilla? not sure what it would be. P-A-D-I-L-L-A. Yeah, I don't know. Could be Padilla. Could be Padilla. Okay. But Monica. Welcome, Monica. Welcome, Monica. Thanks for joining. <laughs> um, housekeeping. Again, welcome to season seven. Who would have thunk that we would have gotten a season back when we started this rinky dink little podcast? And I'm getting smarter. I'm wearing like thermal stuff <laughs> yeah, and like I have all leggings up. on underneath my jeans because I haven't sat down here for three hours. I have like you know, a new in a while. wardrobe going on. Yeah, with... Kurt's wearing a new hat. A new. He's not wearing a flannel. Everyone. <laughs> no, I'm wearing like a nice, a nice Columbia He's got a jacket. Columbia Aaron, I, Aaron and Nicole got me that for Christmas, and the cap Corey got me because it's from the show Shorzy. And I didn't I know a GQ model Shorzy. would be showing up today. <laughs> I don't know what a GQ. Model. Should have put more makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I just they... bumped the table. Sorry. That's okay. Do we have any other housekeeping? Probably. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> Not since. Two, I mean, we yeah. did talk about stuff. Two Again, weeks ago. I feel like the main topic for this episode will be lackluster on my part, and that's totally on me. I mean, I I planned on kind of like working on it more this week, but then we had stuff come up with Narnia was yeah, like collapsed. She's okay. She threw up yesterday, but she's been okay. Is she uh, is she a cat that throws up though, or is that just within the, the last couple, like last month or mm. two? And the vet thought Poor maybe baby. it was like one of my air fresheners causing it. So I had one of those mist diffusers, but I gave it to I brought it to work. I'm gonna give it to somebody. Okay. But uh, yeah, like last Sunday during the 50 hour trivia contest, she just collapsed, and I thought she was gonna go, oh, and no. she did. So she's still. So then I had to take her to the vet. First time she was out of my apartment in 10 years. <gasps> wow. And she hated it. She, like, oh my she God. was like freaking out. But then <laughs> yeah. when we got there, <clears throat> she, like, was okay. if, if she was okay if she could see me. But oh, if sure. they took her yeah, out yeah, of the yeah. room to do x-rays, I would just Where's hear my her. Human? I would hear her crying like crazy. <laughs> but I thought I was going to lose her. She's still around. So Good. I figure every day I have her now is a gift. So, exactly. Because I thought she was a goner. It oh, was that's bad. that's the worst. So yeah. So How between was your trivia that, contest? 
good. We came in 11th place, which is like our place. Really? Like we cannot crack the top 10, but because it's split into divisions now, it was our second year as division two champion. Oh, nice. So like the teams that are right behind us are gunning for us to be the oh. champions, but we, 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 we did good. How many teams are there? I think 50. That's because a lot. There, well, there used to be like 70, but teams are consolidating, oh, which makes oh, it harder now. Yeah. So okay. there is that. Uh, How many then, people are on your team? It it varies. Like it's the, different every year. Yeah, well, yeah, but in the morning, like for a little while, there were two of us on, okay. and then more people would show up, and then we'd have like ten, twelve at a time, and it oh, just I kind see. of fluctuates. Isn't it the same people though that you've been doing yes. it with for years? Okay. Yeah. But then the day before the trivia contest, we went out to the school forest for for school, and I lost. Yeah, the Kurt lost a kid. <laughs> so I felt horrible. I'm laughing because everything oh turned God. out okay. I felt so bad. <laughs> like she she was all by herself. Yeah, like in she the walked woods. off. Yeah. Oh no. Basically, yeah. Was she freaking out or were you? No. The, you were freaking no, out. I was freaking was out. But she was fine. And I think she didn't even realize that we left. Oh, funny. But she freaked out when we got back to camp and everybody swarmed her and were hugging her oh, and stuff. God. So oh. I think that was a little overwhelming for her. Yeah. But I felt so, so bad. And then on top of that, Narnia. Oh, so man. my mind just hasn't been in a great place krista and i are both still like weirdly congested krista just, i had covid yeah, like I'm, I'm in the covid house three, right now so ago, i'm hoping yeah i the last two weeks i couldn't taste or smell anything but my hmm. covid tests came back negative but i think since i got covid if i get some weird cold or something my taste could and be smell. that could be yeah and then when my smell does come back everything is like so overwhelming mm-hmm. the smell i still have a little this is the i mean we're three years in and i finally got the rona i thought i'd maybe be <laughs> yep. able to avoid it but yeah. i'm still i sound congested but i i don't really i feel fine but so. I, ever since i took this job it's like non-stop but you know i have students like come in in the morning come up and they'll give me a big hug and then they'll write right in my face mr k <laughs> i have the, the flu I, i'm so sick of my th- i'm like thanks oh great you know <laughs> so yeah, so there's that. But anyway, Any uh, what else do we have? Oh, after the topic, after we do the topic, I had something really weird happen at school one day. Remember I texted oh, you, you? Did you tell me about yeah, it? Yeah, well, okay. I didn't tell you what happened, but I texted you. Because you messaged me. And you it was told like, me something in the prologue. Was that something totally... Oh, that was what your coworker... That was something totally different. Yeah, that was your coworker. But you, okay. I, you messaged me and I messaged you back and I said something really weird yeah, just yeah, happened. Yeah, now I remember so that. So we're going to talk about that after the main He's topic. He's been keeping me in suspense. Yeah, it was we, It was one of the most... I don't know if I say paranormal, I'll say high strangeness, but it was Ooh, one of the most bizarre moments of high strangeness in my life because it wasn't out of the corner of my eye and it was like in daylight. So Interesting. It, it was weird. I'm excited. I so yeah, I will hear. say that. We'll talk about that after the main topic. Should we jump into opening our... We're going to open two of our packages. Yeah. Okay. So the first one you said is from Jeremy Ryder. I be- yes, I believe so. Oh. Tiana sent us Minimal some. grunting. Tiana sent us some, but we're going to save hers for next time. Oh, what is that? I don't know. Lulu. Okay. Lulu. That's cute. That's what I call Lucy. Lulu. Lucy was so happy to Shipment see me. Shipment summary. <laughs> uh, Bailey Raven's Archive of Monsters and that Magic. That looks cool. Ooh, that does look cool. Complete cryptid collection. Ooh. Open it up. Is he the one who's like, or is that Josh Carpenter? I get people confused. Who's like really into Mothman? They always poo-poo on Bigfoot and they're like, no, man, it's all about I don't, I don't remember which one that is. Oops. Jeez. I'm out of practice, people. I'm oh. getting... I, Why I'm, is my finger in the way? I'm becoming more of a... Bigfoot believer. Yes, I the more stuff I read on I Reddit, you come around, Kurt. <laughs> Hold on, I want to just look at this. I'm real excited quick. about this. 
My new mission. <gasps> yes. Look at how amazing this is. That's really cool. Oh my gosh. This I have awesome. to take a picture of just this page. This is awesome. I'm becoming. I'll tell you when you're done with this. Oh my gosh, this is so cool. Okay, we're gonna both have. I want to be able to look at this. Yes. So we'll have to trade on and. Well, off. that's the thing. Like I rewatched Hellier. I oh, think yeah. I told you I rewatched, and then my. <laughs> Where's that pizza peel when my, you need it? Hold my, on. My. Uh, my synchronicities have started up again like crazy. And my 1111s have started up again. And I see other people in the strangers had their 11-11s. posting about it. Yeah. That is an... Oh, I'm so excited. This is really cool. Yeah. This is really that cool. That is amazing. Thank you, Jeremy. Yes, thank you. I love that. Um, I can't wait to look at all the But pictures. rewatching Hellier, like... What's it, Greg Newkirk? Yeah. Like, a lot of times he's getting interviewed. He has a bookshelf in the background. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I've become, like, weirdly obsessed with the idea of getting a bookshelf filled with paranormal books. And like, yeah. Like, a specifically old 70s. Okay. Like, the old 70s paranormal books. So, I think I'm going to... I have a bookshelf at home that I moved to the kitchen because it's in Narnia's eating spot, but I think I'm going to switch it around. Do you follow them on Instagram? No, but I'm I'm becoming really a fan of the Newkirks. Yes. I listened to one episode of their podcast. Yeah, which one? I don't want to say which one because it's gonna we're gonna discuss it in an upcoming topic. Oh, okay. But, Were you uh, laughing though? I think yeah, it really, was really it was funny. really good, and yeah. I'm really. There's the second season of Hellier too. though, like it was sketchy to me when they were doing the Estes method with her. With the and it was like literally forty five minutes of them going were they bing, in that bing, dome? Bing, oh yeah, bing, yeah, yeah. Bing. But then she's like responding perfectly to what they're saying. Yeah. And she supposedly can't hear them, and that was a little iffy to me. See, I don't. I I see. But, but it was just like it was. Literally, I see that method used elsewhere too. I watch Kindred Spirits. Yeah. And they use the. Uh, me- I don't think no. If but you the fact technically that she call it supposedly couldn't method. hear them and seemed to be carrying on a conversation yeah. with them based on the the box. I've seen it happen on yeah. other shows. Literally, bing, bing, bing. It was amazing. Bing, bing, bing. They were in the cave. Yeah. Or the tunnel or whatever. Yeah. Yep. But I liked it. I really liked it. I hope they come out with the third season. They are. They're recording it right now. Or, you know. Sweet. Filming. Filming. Yes. <laughs> That's what it's called. It will open our next package. We're not exactly sure who this is from. Oh, but if, if you if you didn't know, their podcast has a YouTube channel and it's video. Oh, Which I is where know. I came up with the idea that maybe we should start actually doing video, video for our podcast. YouTube channel. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we don't know who this is from. Is Jeremy a big Hellier fan? I don't remember. See, there, I get, I'm sorry, I really, I apologize profusely, but I get people on our strangers well, like, page, like Jeremy's uh, and, and Josh's, yeah. and I think we have a couple well, like Jeremy's. Like Michelle, I'm, I'm good friends with Michelle, and she doesn't, she's not on Facebook. I, she's barely on Instagram, but she texts, we text each other all the time, and she, uh, she, uh, listened to their podcast and really liked it. What is that? Is that a cake? <laughs> I don't know what this is. It looks, like a, it looks like a cake. I don't know. Or it's a stuffed animal that's in like a vacuum pack. Um, so anyway, what I was going to say is one of them is a really big Hellier fan and mm-hmm. is always talking about synchronicity. So that'd be an interesting synchronicity if that's who sent us I've this. had a ton of synchronicity lately. Okay, let me... And I forgot to start my clock, of course. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Okay, I want to make sure I read everything that's in here because you know I forget to read notes from people. A gift for you. Thought these were really cool. Love you, Kurt and Krista from Danielle Jacobs. Oh, okay. thank you, Danielle. <laughs> I got them confused. Isn't yep. it Lauren and yeah, Danielle, Danielle are the twins? Yep. Okay. It says, hope you enjoy this little cutie. 
I think since oh, okay, I'm, so... I'm not going to have time to edit this today because I have friends coming to town, so we're just going to release this unedited. Yeah, it'll be fine. We just got to watch the language and whatnot. So oh, the, this what she's. Cool. This is a whole packet full of stickers. I cool. think, which you know we love stickers. Yes, we do. And then this says, "I hope you enjoy this little cutie. Thanks for everything. You know how much it's I love be this show." Got a little stuffed animal thing. Yeah, I think so. Thank you, Danielle. Cryptid merchandise stickers. Cool horror vinyl waterproof sticker decals. Okay. Okay, gotcha. All right, I'm gonna open this. Wait, does this say? Oh. Bigfoot plush toy. <laughs> oh, I can already see. Look yes. at face. Oh my okay, God, gotta, that is cute. I got to get the ceremonial dagger out and open this Don't up. cut Bigfoot. I will try really hard not to amputate any limbs from Bigfoot. Oh, look at how cute he is. That <laughs> is super cute. dangly arms. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. That okay, is awesome. I got to get back. Of him. Thank He's you got, so like, much. One little tooth. Thank you so much, Danielle. Thank I wish you, real Danielle. Bigfoot looked like that. Yeah, when, <laughs> yeah, there'd be nothing to be afraid of if real Bigfoot looked like this. Maybe there is a real Bigfoot who looks like this. Speaking okay, of Bigfoot, I can hear Lucy patting around upstairs. Okay, sorry, sorry so for the cute. silence, people. So cute. He's super cute. We gotta name him. Yes, and we still have stuff from Tiana we're going to open next week okay. and i have a couple taste tests aaron sent us one but we didn't have our exact ingredients because yeah, he was very toast, exact apparently. so we're going to have that one in a future episode and nikki and randy sent us something but it's canned and it can wait okay but aaron is very curious so i think we're going to save what they sent for when aaron comes on the podcast okay but you're going to have to heat something up sounds good I'm trying to get a picture of all the stickers Okay. Okay, perfect. Sweet. Oh, thank you. This is so cute. This will go in our cabinet of curiosities yes. with all of our other big thank stuff. Thank you so much, Danielle. Cool. Awesome. You guys are so, so sweet so to us. Generous. Thank you so much. Yeah, seriously. And now we have nasty taste tests uh, from... Uh, I think so. Kayla? They don't look gross. Well, okay. They look like little shots. So I took a picture of the... <coughs> she got this, I think, at the same store that she got the jackfruit candy from. Oh. So they're called mini pudding mixed fruit flavor pudding okay so it comes in like this little okay. bag we were in a meeting i work with kayla we were in a meeting with a plant coordinator yeah. at, at a facility that i'm doing like what, a five star at and we had him taste one and what did he say <laughs> let's just say his reaction made me not look forward oh, to this at boy. all but i don't know what flavor he grabbed well we have two or i know we have an orange a pink they're all different i'm gonna go with the green because that's likely to be gross for some reason and i'm gonna go with this one. Do we just suck them out of white there? White is usually coconut. Yeah, I think so. White is usually coconut. So I have a pink and a white, and okay. Kurt has a green and a yellow. What are you the, trying I'm going to do green first. I'm going to try white. <laughs> scared. Wait, I got to take a picture of these. What did I do with my phone? Oh, it's right here. Wow. Can you take a picture of yours? Shoot. Wow, this is hard to open, actually. Bear with us because we haven't done this in so long. We're... <laughs> hey, I got two packages open without grunting, though. You did. So I feel like that's something. Okay, finally in there. Oh. No, that's... What is that smell? Oh, shoot. Mine just... Mine leaves. almost... Mine oh. is green, but it almost smells like chocolate. 
I think this is definitely going to be coconut. Mine might be pistachio. And I totally leaked it on the <laughs> laptop. Oh, okay, on. are you ready? I'm ready. I don't know how to do this. Put your tongue in and lick it out. <laughs> I mean, th- that's the only thing we can do. Or Very squeeze graphic. it. Or squeeze it. Okay, here we go. Mmm. That just made the craziest noise. Um. Mmm. Mmm. I. That. I can't figure out what mine is. It's not gross though. No, mine I think is pistachio or chocolate because mine had a it's weird. It's more like Jello though. It's not. Yeah. That like was pudding. actually good. I think mine was pistachio. Well, that would make sense. Yeah. Green. But I think it was good. I'm gonna say mine is coconut. It's just not super coconutty. If that makes sense. Oh, this orange one. Let's see if I can smell. Maybe this will be, the pink one will be grapefruit. Oh, Careful, because there's like a liquid. On myself. Yeah. yeah, I just squirted all over <laughs> oh my. Oh, my God. Well, this is quite the season opener. <laughs> oh, this one smells good. This is orange. Okay, hold on. Let me get this open. Maybe this is grapefruit. You had me thinking these were going to be scary. They're not scary. I have no idea what this is. Okay, ready? Ready. Mmm. Oh, there's a weird aftertaste, though. Again, I can't identify what this is supposed to be. Mine is orange. But it's got this weird... It's oh, got the, okay. This is grapefruit. It's got this funky aftertaste that I can't place. It's almost yeah. like a graham cracker. Oh, <laughs> you got weird ones. Yeah, mine were weird. <laughs> but they were good. That was definitely grapefruit. It was weird at first. The grapefruit came through at the end. Yeah. That was good. That second one was good. The huh. first one, I'm not sure even what it was. might have been coconut. Okay. All right, we didn't get the gross ones. Well, I'm hoping to God. These are from my cousin Stephanie. Okay. And I am hoping to God. Does she like us? I think, yeah, she, I think so. But <laughs> I am hoping sure. to God that these do not taste what they're supposed to resemble. Oh, God. Okay. Here you go. I'm going to put this in here. Oh, oh, she's coming to get it. I'm hoping that these do not taste like what they are supposed to resemble. I don't think they're going to because I think that would be, I think they're going to be good. Okay. I put Ernie in the cabinet of Ernie. cabinet of curiosities. Oh, God. I just got a glimpse of Oscar Mayer gummy hot dogs. Yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> Why I, does that even exist? I'm guessing, I'm guessing they're going to be good, though, and a macaroni and cheese, Kraft macaroni and oh cheese gummies. God. I don't think they're going to. Why do they exist? I don't think they're going to taste like hot dogs or macaroni and cheese. I'm hoping that they don't taste like hot dogs or macaroni and cheese. I'm scared. I hope they don't. Okay, I'm going to take a picture of these curiosities. If they do, I'm. I mean, who would even come up with this? I'm. I'm have a really bad habit of not talking in the microphone today. Every day. I'm. I don't know. I don't. I I don't know what to say about this. What do you you feel better? Let's do it the week. Let's. Dip into the wieners. You're really... There are so many uh, innuendos coming out of your mouth today. 80 calories for one piece. I don't think they're going to be hot dog flavored gummies. I think I that would be... Not. That would be... I think they're going to be, be good. horrifying. Where's but my... they are, they're thick <laughs> gummies. They look like... They're, they look like an actual hot dog. They I mean, do. they're they actually like hot, dog hot dog sized. I need a bun. I'm going to let you do the, like I have a do the sniff test. Should I have a donut bun? Do the sniff test, and if they taste, if they smell like actual wieners. No, they don't. They okay. smell like candy. Good. Whew. Okay, I'm going to take one. Oh, they're individually wrapped, too. Oh, sweet. Come on. Wait, no. I'm confused. How do I get this out of here? <laughs> this is the stuff we usually edit out, but we're not editing this episode. I don't episode. know how to get it out. <laughs> Use a ceremonial dagger. Okay. Thank you. This is bizarre. 
I did not think that they would taste like hot dogs, like gummy. You food. never know. No, you do never know. But it would be. Okay. I guess. It would be concerning if somebody did that. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's how you open. <laughs> Oh, it looks like. Really, <laughs> oh, wow. Really Take a picture weird. of you holding it like that. No. <laughs> oh, <gross>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these uh, these genuinely there's there's even like a grease on them. They look like hot dogs. Like really limp, strange. <laughs> it makes me kind of. It makes me kind of want to gag a little bit. Yeah. Oh my god. How can it I even? Feels like a hot dog. Oops! I just hit my microphone again. Oh. Oh, what the heck. But look at it. it looks I mean, like it, it has smells hot dog like grease. it does. They're greasy somehow. <laughs> okay, they smell like fruit though. Yeah. Okay, you ready? ready? Uh, oh my god! Oh, they're, really they're really chewy. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> mm, it's good though. They taste good, but wow, <laughs> this is quite the experience. They're really chewy. Like it was really hard to get a bite. It looks so much like a hot dog. It's like disturbing me. Mm-hmm. Like seriously, it looks like a hot dog cut in half. I mean, it's okay. I like it. I mean, but, it tastes like a gummy worm, a really big like gummy a really worm. big gummy worm that looks like a hot dog. The macaroni and cheese ones, let's save. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, I'm putting that down. I'm not gonna eat the whole thing. Here. <clears throat> See if okay, Jim wants sorry one. Sorry for all the. See if Jim or Lucy want one. <laughs> oh, that was dumb. I try idea. not to give her mystery food. That was a dumb idea. That threw that over my mouth. <laughs> you just put the whole thing in your mouth. Uh-huh. Oh man. So you might need to talk for a while. Okay. Um. Yeah. So. <laughs> wow, I made quite the mess over here. Whew. All right, gummy hot dogs. Who knew that was a thing? <laughs> wow. I cannot believe how much they look like hot dogs. Yeah, it's disturbing, actually. At least the gummy macaroni and cheese is small. Yeah. What time are we looking at here? Uh, 28 minutes. Holy wow. But there was like six or seven minutes of banter before we started. Yeah, but we're not editing, so we need to jump right in. Yep, we do. Sorry, people, but you're going to have to listen to me talk. Are we forgetting anything? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. You're going to have to listen to me talk while I'm chewing on my gummy hot dog. (laughs) <laughs> never thought I'd hear you say that. <laughs> I never didn't think I would say oh that either. Oh my gosh. You ready? I'm ready. So the main topic today picked by you guys for our poll was Atlantis. Something I'm not really crazy about. Like I've never been into Atlantis. I think it's really interesting, but it's not something I go out of my way to research. Let's face it, I don't go out of my way to research anything. <laughs> but speaking of which, the next episode is a mini mystery, mini mystery. so you need okay. a haunted place. Yeah, yeah. I will do that. So, like when I feel like I research a topic that I'm not super into, I tend to rabbit hole. I'm okay, like, sure. I'm going to go down this rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, and I read a Reddit story about Atlantis and I find other stories. So <laughs> I apologize if this is not the best episode. Kurt likes to apologize for episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's a segment at the beginning. Yeah, Kurt apologizes. <laughs> so, starting, so starting Atlantis, we're going to go way back to Plato because that's kind of where all this stuff came from. Plato was a Greek philosopher from Athens in ancient Greece during the classical period in the 5th to 4th century BC. He was the student of Socrates, 
ever since Bill and Ted came out, you can't say Socrates. You have to say Socrates. <laughs> say what? <laughs> you have to say Socrates. Okay, if you've sure. seen Bill and Ted. Excellent. <laughs> yep. He was a student of Socrates and taught Aristotle, credited with founding the Platonic School of Thought and the Academy, the first institution of higher learning in the Western world. The first mention of Atlantis shows up around 360 BC in Plato's dialogues called Timaeus and I think Critias. The dialogues claim to quote Solon, who visited Egypt between 590 and 580 BC. They state that he translated ancient Egyptian records of Atlantis. In Timaeus, Plato writes, quote, For it is related in our records how once upon a time your state stayed the course of a mighty host, which, starting from a distant point in the Atlantic Ocean, was insolently advancing to attack the whole of Europe and Asia to boot. For the ocean, for the ocean there was at that time nav, navigable, <laughs> navigable. <laughs> sure. For in front of the mouth, which you Greeks call, as you say, the pillars of Heracles, there lay an island which was larger than Libya and Asia together, and it was possible for the travelers of that time to cross from it to the other islands, and from the islands to the whole of the continent over against them, which encompasses that veritable ocean. For all that we have here, lying within the mouth of which we speak, is evidently a haven having a narrow entrance. But that yonder is a real ocean, and the land surrounding it may most rightly be called, in the fullest and truest sense, a continent. Now in this island of Atlantis there existed a confederation of kings of great and marvelous power, which held sway over all the island and over many other islands and parts of the continent. Hmm. So that's him talking about Atlantis. Okay. The island was said to belong to Poseidon, who fell in love with a young human woman of the island named Cleto and married her. Poseidon built a city on the island, and on a mountain in the center of the city, he built a palace for Cleto. They wed and had five sets of male twins. The eldest of the first, yeah, right. <laughs> the eldest of the first set was named Atlas, who Atlantis is named after, and he became the first Atlantean king. And it was said that Atlantis was a paradise. No one had to work hard. Every type of wonderful food grew there, and animals were plentiful. Poseidon had created a steam of hot water and a stream of cold water for the island. It had a glorious culture with wonderful palaces and temples. Well, it sounds delightful. It sounds like a great place to visit. It really does. The kings were rich in gold, silver, and other precious metals. The people of Atlantis lived in a golden age of harmony and abundance. And then, as they will do, the gods started to intermarry with humans, and they created the people of Atlantis. Well, darn it. Plato describes the Atlanteans as being super advanced engineers and architects. It was said that the capital city was built on a hill and surrounded by rings of water, which were joined by tunnels large enough for ships to sail through. The walls were constructed of red, white, and black rock quarried from the moats and were covered with brass, tin, the precious metal oralcum, and there were also a lot of crystals, which becomes important later. Very crystals. big with the crystals. Okay. A huge canal connected the outer rings of water to the ocean. On the outskirts of the capital city, there were huge fields where farmers grew the city's food, and past those fields were mountains where the wealthy villagers lived. Meanwhile, there was another hill called the Hill of Cleto, where it is believed that Poseidon held his wife captive because he distrusted her loyalty. Well then. Yeah. Huge moats and pillars <laughs> surrounded this hill. 
Plato asserted that the Egyptians described Atlantis as an island consisting mostly of mountains in the northern portions and along the shore and encompassing a great plain in an oblong shape in the south, extending in one direction about 345 miles, but across the center inland it was about 230 miles. And it was said that uh, about six miles from the coast was a mountain that was low on all sides. And it said the central island itself was about 0.57 miles in diameter. So, I mean, it's a fairly good mm-hmm. size island. Mm-hmm. But according to Plato, as the Atlanteans grew more powerful, their ethics declined. They became more greedy and wanted to conquer everything else that they didn't already have. According to Critias, 9,000 years before his lifetime, a war took place between those outside the pillars of Hercules at the Strait of Gibraltar and those who dwelt within them. The Atlanteans conquered the parts of Libya within the pillars of Hercules as far as Egypt and the European continent as far as Tyrania. No idea where that is. And they were capturing those places and subjecting their people to slavery. The Athenians led an alliance of resistors against the Atlantean Empire, and as the alliance disintegrated, the Athenians prevailed alone and liberated the occupied lands. But then right after that, there occurred violent earthquakes and floods, and in a single day and night, it sank into the ocean and everybody that was on Atlantis died. Supposedly. Yeah, Although they think some people went off to other countries yeah. and started and, and that's how they got technology and I like stuff to hear like that, that Atlantis isn't immune to all the other things that bring other societies yeah down. well yeah greed you know yeah. but they say that because Atlantis sunk the, the sea in some of those parts is impassable and impenetrable because there is a lot of mud and land in the way because that's where Atlantis supposedly sunk under mm-hmm. the sea mm-hmm. so the whole idea of Atlantis might have been forgotten because there is very little. I mean, basically what I read is almost all there is. There's ba- basically nothing about it. And other it, than people's theories. Other than Plato talking about it in his dialogues. Yeah, but so, then I'm sure there's people right well, now who whole, are looking for Yeah, Atlantis. the whole idea <laughs> would have been probably forgotten except a man named Ignatius Donnelly brought it back. Okay. He lived in Minnesota. He was a congressman and an amateur historian. Mm. And in 1882, he wrote a book called, quote, The Antidiluvian World. His book theorized that all great advances in civilization and technology could be traced back to Atlantis. So in his book, he states that he is trying to prove 13 different hypotheses. Hypotheses? Hypotheses. Hypotheses. Thank you. <laughs> Number one, was that there once existed in the Atlantic Ocean opposite the Mediterranean Sea a large island known to the ancients as Atlantis. Number two, that the description of the island given by Plato is not fable, which everybody believes, but it's actually history. Number three, that Atlantis was the region where man first rose from a state of barbarism to civilization. Number four, that it became, over ages, a populous and mighty nation, from whose emigrants the shores of the Gulf of Mexico, the Mississippi River, the Amazon River, the Pacific Coast of South America, the Mediterranean, the West Coast of Europe and Africa, the Baltic, the Black Sea, and the Caspian became populated by civilized people. Number five, that it was a true antediluvian world. The Garden of Eden, the Garden of Hesperides, the Elysian Fields, the Gardens of 
Elshinoos, the Mesoflamos, wow. the Olympos, the Asgard of the traditions of the ancient nations. That this represented a universal memory of a great land where early mankind dwelt for ages in peace and happiness. So that theory states that the Garden of Eden was a legitimate place. Oh, that see, all these yeah. fabled places were legitimate places. I think that's where people, maybe I struggle a little bit, is that the descriptions of um, Atlantis are mixed with Greek mythology. Yeah. Mythology nope. is not, you know, it's yeah. obviously a myth. So uh, I don't know. Number six that he wanted to prove was that the gods and goddesses of ancient Greek, the Phoenicians, the Hindus, and the Scandinavians were just simply the kings, queens, and heroes of Atlantis, and the acts attributed to them in mythology are a confused recollection of real historical events. Interesting. <laughs> Number seven that he wanted to prove was that the mythology of Egypt and per Peru represented the original religion of Atlantis, which was sun worship. Number eight was that the oldest colony formed by Atlantis was probably Egypt, whose civilization was a reproduction of Atlantis. Egypt's, there's a weird, you know, Egypt's pretty kind of mysterious. Oh, for sure. Number nine, that the implements of the Bronze Age of Europe were derived from Atlantis, that they were the first manufacturers of iron. Number 10 that he wanted to prove was that the Phoenician alphabet was derived from the Atlantean alphabet, which was also conveyed by them from Atlantis to the Mayans. Number 11 that he wanted to prove was that Atlantis was the original seat of the Aryan people. Whatever that means. Aryan people? Yeah, like, like the... Yeah. Okay. Number Move, 12. Moving along. <laughs> number 12, that Atlantis perished in a terrible convulsion of nature in which the whole island sunk into the ocean with nearly all of its inhabitants. And number 13, that a few people escaped in shifts, shifts, in ships and on rafts and carried to the nations east and west the tidings of the catastrophe which has survived in our own time as the stories of the flood from the old days. I would like, a, I don't know if this is the right term, a geologist to talk about whether or not it's possible for an entire island to sink into most the ocean. Most people say it. Most people say, we'll get to it. I mean, look we'll what get, just happened we'll in Turkey and Syria. Yeah, with that. we'll get to it. A lot of people say okay. it's... it's not how is that even possible feasible. so then he produced this book which kind of brought atlantis back up again into like the public eye and then helena blavatsky we need to talk about her at some point because she was an interesting person the founder of the theosophists mentioned atlantis in her introductory book which was called isis unveiled and published in 1877 and she kind of took up donnelly's talk about Atlantis and how everything came from Atlantis. She claimed that the Atlanteans were cultural heroes, uh, which kind of is contrary to Plato, who described them more of a military threat. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, where she says that they were heroes. A conquering empire. Yeah. She believed in a form of racial evolution and believed that Atlanteans were the fourth root race, which were going to be succeeded by the Aryan race, which she identified as the modern human race. In her book, she reported that the civilization of Atlantis reached its peak between 1 million and 900,000 years ago, but destroyed itself through internal warf warfare brought about by the use of psychic and supernatural powers of its inhabitants. Okay. And then we get to, this is kind of one of the big ones, and we need to do an episode about him because he's fascinating, is Edgar Cayce. Oh, yeah, totally. The clairvoyant Edgar Cayce spoke frequently of Atlantis. I have one of his books. Do you? Yeah. Like, I, I want to do an episode about him because I constantly keep coming across his stuff, but I don't really know a lot about him. I don't know where I 
having a little drink. In his lifetime, Casey delivered more than 14,000 individual predictions over three distinct periods of his life between 1877 and his death in 1945. During his readings, he claimed that many of his subjects were reincarnations of people who had lived in Atlantis by tapping into their collective consciousness or the Akashic Records. He declared that he was able to give detailed descriptions of the lost continent. He also stated he also stated that Atlantis would rise again in the 1960s, which made Atlantis really popular again in the 60s. Like literally rise out of the ocean? Yeah. <laughs> okay. But there's something a little weird about that, but we'll get to that. Well, I mean, there's a lot of weird things yeah. about that. And okay. he claimed that there will be I found... I got curted. You did Ooh, get curted. I got curted. He claimed that there will be found a Hall of Atlantic Records. Atlantic Records. Oh, my God. Hall of Atla- <laughs> Atlantic Records is a totally different thing. A Hall of Atlantis Records will be found beneath the paw of the Egyptian Sphinx, which holds all the historical texts of Atlantis. Hmm. Before his death in 1945, Edgar Cayce had amounted thousands upon thousands of readings covering a wide range of health, history, the future in Atlantis. The Atlantis readings happened mostly between 1924 and 1944. Up until this time, the pursuit of Atlantis had been based mostly on Plato's tale other than a couple of those books that I mentioned. So Cayce's readings added a new light to the search for this lost continent island you know civilization Mm -hmm. while in his trance he said that that was where man first developed and became civilized he said that it was a highly developed civilization with electromagnetic powered flying machines lasers power crystals and devices which we cannot even understand the crystals he said were the prominent power source of the civilization and also provided knowledge and healing powers it has even been claimed that one of these crystals has been discovered and brought to the surface. So we're going to get to that. So isn't there, you said that whoever, Plato, claimed that they, Egypt was a development of Atlantis, right? Egypt yeah. came out of Atlantis because isn't Egypt... Well, that, that was more the, the Donnelly's book that's, oh, okay. that's claimed that Egypt was kind of a colony of Atlantis. Because isn't Egypt where all the hieroglyphics are showing things that shouldn't have existed yeah. at the time, like yeah. ancient aliens? And, and we're going to get to it in a little bit, but okay. there's kind of like pyramid stuff with, yeah. with Atlantis too. Okay. So I, I kind of, I don't know, it's interact like, you know, spoiler, I'm not... <laughs> I don't really don't believe in Atlantis. I'm already pooing, pooing yeah, on Yeah, I don't it believe in Atlantis, I mean, but there's some interesting tie-ins between yeah. the possibility of it and like Egypt's development, you mm-hmm. know? So it is interesting. But the crystals were it were, you know, believed to have powered Atlantis and powered like like provided everything. Power. Yeah, provided power, okay. let them fly in machines, okay. let them do all this stuff. Hmm. And due to the crystals Abilities, supposed abilities, it's believed that they are still active under the depths of the ocean and are partly responsible for the happenings within the Bermuda Triangle because that is one of the supposed locations of Atlantis. Okay. So going more into this, there were three main categories of programmed crystals. In the first category, the crystals were infused with the teachings of the elders. It sounds like something from like a Final Fantasy video game. <laughs> right. Like in the first category, the crystals were infused with the teachings of the elders totally and served does. as a source of knowledge and intellectual growth. How many do we need to collect? The second, the second category of crystals were imbued with sound and color so that they emitted both healing and developmental energies. These energies were said to purify and refine the three lower vehicles of consciousness, aligning the personality with the vibration of the soul. 
The third type of crystal was infused with pure energy. This energy was used as a general power source of Atlantis, supplying power to the entire population. So there you go. Hmm. The most prominent factor in Casey's predictions is the crystal called the Tuoi Stone. T-U-A-O-I. The Tuoi Stone, or the Fire Crystal. It was the source of rejuvenation of the Atlanteans' bodies and the main power source for their technology. Casey's description of this six-sided cylindrical quartz crystal and its abilities resembles that of a modern-day laser beam using a type of ultraviolet light energy to power it. So this Tuoi stone is supposedly the big crystal that powered Atlantis. The big kahuna. That was the big kahuna that <laughs> okay. powered Atlantis. So this comes from a website called Hutton Commentaries, the Atlantean Tuoi Stone Revisited. The person writes, Back in the 70s, I became interested in an Atlantean energy machine described in the Edgar Cayce readings. The machine was called the Terrible Crystal or the Tuoi Stone or the Fire Stone in his readings. Oddly enough, a terrible crystal is mentioned in the King James Version of the Bible in Ezekiel 122, where he seems to be describing an ex- in a, a UFO, an extraterrestrial spacecraft. He says, quote, And the likeness of the firmament, the firmament upon the heads of the living creatures was as the color of the terrible crystal, stretched forth over their heads above. Hmm. The curious Bible passage seems to indicate that at the time it was written, the color of the terrible crystal was common knowledge because it was used to describe the color of other strange objects. So that's a little weird. That is weird. Uh from a website called This Week in Pennsylvania Archaeology, it says, During its final collapse around 10,000 B.C., the inhabitants of Atlantis spread their culture and knowledge throughout the world. They brought with them the power of the Tuai Stone to the Mayan culture in what is known, now known as modern-day Guatemala and the Yucatan regions of Mexico. Wait, so this website's talking about it like it's yeah historical fact? This is where the Tuai Stone was reported to be rediscovered in the early 1930s by an American prophet named Edgar Cayce. According to Cayce's writings, the crude crystal was unearthed by E.R. Johnson during excavations from 1931 to 1938 in a Mayan site in the northern Guatemalan lowlands. Johnson was in collaboration with the Pennsylvania State Museum, and the mysterious crystal was said to be given to the Pennsylvania State Museum following the 1933 field season. According to the State Museum of Pennsylvania's records, no archaeological excavations were ever conducted by the State Museum in the region of the Maya culture. However, archaeologist Dr. John Alden Mason from the University of Pennsylvania did conduct several excavations in Central America in the early 1930s. In coordination with the University of Pennsylvania, they claim that no such stone was ever given to them or is in their possession. This remains a huge mystery for believers of the lost continent of Atlantis. Every few years, inquiries about this mysterious object make their way through the offices of the State Museum. We are here to set the record straight that this object is not, nor has ever been, in the possession of the State Museum of Pennsylvania. <laughs> which, of course, means they haven't. <laughs> um, yeah. What but, object? I don't but, know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of stuff involved with this two-eye stone. Mm-hmm. Like, this is supposed to be one of Does the... Does it actually exist? <sighs> don't know. I don't know. Don't know. But what's more interesting to me and became the main uh, topic of interest with me with this is another crystal story. So this... You do like your crystals. 
it's not like this like it's stuff like uh well crystals but it's stuff like the bet sphere where it's like a mysterious object, object you can yeah. hold mm-hmm. and that's kind of where we're going now with this it's not an idea it's a actual yeah. physical thing so this what we're talking about now i think isn't the two-eye stone i think the two-eye stone is a different crystal so in 1970, Dr. Ray Brown, a naturopathic practitioner from Mesa, Arizona, was allegedly scuba diving with friends near the Bahamas in an area 20 miles from the edge of a submarine drop-off called the Tongue of the Ocean. <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> yeah, sounds lovely. Before their dive, Dr. Brown and his companions experienced a violent storm with winds so strong that they had to cling to mangrove trees on the island. This type of storm exemplifies how the waters of the Bermuda Triangle can change suddenly, possibly revealing underwater ruins for a short time before the ocean floor swallows them up again. Most of the equipment the divers brought was damaged in the storm, but what was left seemed to be malfunctioning and acting up and not working correctly, but they nevertheless decided to continue the underwater expedition. Not 100% sure I would with stuff that isn't uh, working right, with equipment that's not working right. <laughs> yeah, that right. just seems like a bad idea. So it's said that during the dive, Brown became separated from his companions. Oh, boy. And in trying to rejoin them, he suddenly saw a strange pyramid shape looming up against the light coming from the surface. The murky water began to clear, and the outlines of a submerged ruin were said to have appeared. Dr. Brown claims that a pyramid was situated 22 fathoms down, standing 120 feet high, with only 90 feet projecting out of the seafloor shifting sands. How far is a fathom? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to Google it. Okay. He was at first struck by how smooth and mirror-like the stone surface of the structure was, with the joints between the individual blocks almost indiscernible. So two yards. A fathom is two yards. Yard is like a yardstick yeah like a yardstick yeah. okay that's not that far then it's really not but he says that this pyramid he saw this pyramid that and it was put together so well that you couldn't even see where the seams were between the stones that made it hmm. he soon discovered an entryway and decided to explore further passing along a narrow hallway brown finally came to a small rectangular room with their pyramid shaped ceiling The room he entered contained no algae or coral growing on the inner wall. Even without a flashlight, he could see everything in the room perfectly. It was very bright and well lit, but no direct light source was visible. His attention was drawn to a brassy metallic rod three inches in diameter hanging down from the apex of the center, and at its end was attached a many-faceted red gem which came to a point. Directly below the rod and gem, sitting in the middle of the room, was a stand of carved stone topped by a stone plate with scrolled ends. It's just all so bizarre. <laughs> on, the, on the plate rested a pair of carved metal bronze-colored hands, life-sized, which appeared blackened and burnt as if having been subjected to tremendous heat. Nestled in the hands and situated directly below the, <laughs> situated directly below the ceiling rod gem point, was a crystal sphere about three and a half inches in diameter. Brown, and the, the, the red stone might be the two-eye, the supposed two-eye stone oh. that he saw hanging in this pyramid. That okay. He said that was the hanging, one attached to the hanging from the top. And okay. then underneath was this hand with like a bowl that had the three-inch crystal in it. Okay. Brown first attempted to pry loose the ceiling rod and red gemstone, but he couldn't get anywhere with that. 
Turning back to the crystal sphere, he found that it easily separated from the bronze handholders, and he left the pyramid with the crystal sphere. As he departed, Brown said he felt a presence and heard a voice from somewhere telling him to never return. You yeah, like it? quit messing with our stuff <laughs> and get out of here. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> quit trying to steal our gemstones. Fearing that his unusual prize might be confiscated as a salvage treasure by the U.S. government, Dr. Brown did not disclose the existence of the strange crystal or his experiences until 1975 when he exhibited the crystal for the first time. Oh, okay. He displayed the crystal only a half dozen times, but each time witnesses have seen or have been sensitive to strange phenomena directly associated with it. Are there photos? Yeah, there's a photo. There are okay. photos of it. People that have held the gem said they have felt strange winds blowing, a throbbing sensation in their hands, and some people even hear voices and sounds. A compass needle placed next to the sphere will spin counterclockwise and then begin turning in the opposite direction when moved only two inches away. And most strangely, it says deep inside the crystal form, when you're staring at it, One all of a sudden starts to see three pyramid images, one in front of the other in decreasing sizes. And it's said that some people entering into a meditative state or an alpha brainwave state of consciousness are able to clearly see a fourth pyramid in the background of the other three. So that's weird. Like it said that you can look into that, this crystal, and then all of a sudden you'll see three pyramids in it. And then in the background, if you're in a meditative state, you'll see a fourth pyramid. So people have almost like experimented with this thing. Yeah. Okay. And that's where I kind of get the, I like the bet sphere Mm -hmm, stuff. mm -hmm. Like it's acting weird when you put a magnet near it and it's make, it's making people hear things and making people see things. So we'll get back to that crystal later. Okay. So Edgar Casey also theorized that Atlantean civil civilians that were able to escape the island being sunk migrated to Egypt and their knowledge of technology aided in the construction of the Great Pyramids. Um, you know, unlike Plato's description, Edgar Casey's Atlantis was not perfect and harmonious and was, like most societies, vulnerable to corruption and abuse of power. You know, Plato said it was it was kind of like a perfect society, but they succumbed to mm-hmm. to corruption. The same thing, yeah. Yep. Where Casey said that it kind of was wasn't perfect to start with. It mm. was kind of like a troubled society. Edgar Casey. Well, nobody had a job. <laughs> yeah, Edgar Casey. Sounds awesome. Edgar Casey's readings blamed its eventual destruction on the misuse of those powers, such as many people today believe nuclear power and genetic cloning are the seed whose misuse will eventually bring us down. And I would add AI, artificial intelligence, sure. to that list. Yep. And that the survivors of whatever happens will regress to barbarianism. Barbarianism, which I can I could totally see. It's gonna be the Walking Dead up in here, minus the zombies. Yeah, <laughs> basically. So Edgar Casey predicted that a part of Atlantis or Atlantis itself would be discovered again in the late 1960s when he said it would rise. He said, quote, a portion of the temples may yet be discovered under the slime of ages and seawater near Bimini, expected in 68 or 69, not so far away. On September 2nd, 1968, while diving in 18 feet of water off the northwest coast of North Bimini Island, Joseph Valentine, Jacques Mayol, and Robert Angove discovered what they called an extensive pavement of noticeably rounded stones of varying size and thickness. There's always a Jacques involved yeah, in there these is always explorations. A and this this is the Bimini Road. Like this, okay. I remember this, like in the 70s when I would watch In Search Of and stuff, there was a lot of stuff about the Bimini Road. Bimini Road, okay. And it's weird that Edgar Casey said that 
A portion of the temples may yet be discovered under the slime of ages and seawater near Bimini in 68 or 69. And in 1968, off of Bimini Island, they found this road Mm -hmm. under this underground, this underwater road. Okay. So from a May 30th, 2018 article on allthatisinteresting.com called, quote, Why Some Think Bimini Road is a Lost Highway to Atlantis, the article says, quote, The road rests on the sea floor about 18 feet below the surface. Set on a northeast-southwest line, the road runs straight for about half a mile before ending in a curving, graceful hook. Alongside the Bimini Road are two other smaller, linear rock formations that appear similar in design. The Bimini Road is made up of limestone blocks, most of them seemingly cut in a rectangular shape. Most of them appear to have been originally cut with right angles, although under time, although over time, underwater currents and stuff weathered them into a rounded shape. Each of the blocks on the main road is between 10 and 13 feet long and 7 to 10 feet wide, while the two side roads have smaller but equally as even blocks. The larger blocks appear to line up with each other and be arranged in size order. Some of them even appear to be stacked as if propped up intentionally. Some people believe that Bimini Road was the connecting path from the Bimini Islands to the outer islands of Atlantis, while others believe it is actually a wall. And some people believe it's just a natural formation. Hmm. But it's weird that when Edgar Cayce said that there would be some trace of Atlantis found, they discovered the Bimini Road. So this was in the 70s, then all of a sudden everything in the 70s became... 70s was very Bigfoot-oriented and Atlantis and Bermuda Triangle-oriented. In the 1970s, NBC released the fantasy series Man from Atlantis. It only ran for 13 episodes, but it remains something of a cult classic. The show followed the story of Mark Harris, played by Patrick Duffy, a man with amnesia thought to be the last citizen of Atlantis. In 2016, Patrick Duffy wrote a novel telling the backstory of Mark Harris, revealing information not included in the TV show. So there was a lot of Atlantis stuff in the 70s. There was a lot of Patrick Duffy stuff. There was a lot of Patrick stuff in the 70s and 80s. Uh, So according to Encyclopedia.com, quote, Since the the 1800s, Atlanteans have been credited for having had the technology to generate electricity, build flying machines, and harness nuclear power for energy and warfare, all developed more than 9,000 years before such things came into being in modern society. Others claimed that Atlanteans knowledgeable... Others claimed... Others... Others... (laughs) Wow. Other claims... Wow, it's been a while since I've done this. Other claims have Atlanteans knowledgeable about a formidable death ray, secrets for levitation, and pure forms of energy through crystals. Many Atlantis enthusiasts firmly believe that the inhabitants of the Lost Continent had cosmic connections with extraterrestrials and may actually have been a colony established on Earth by alien explorers. Stories also claim that the original inhabitants of Atlantis are believed to be of extraterrestrial origin and reached there about 50,000 years ago from the Lyrian star system. Despite being much taller and fairer than today's average human being, the average lifespan of these people is believed to have been 800 years, making them robust prototypes of the existent human race then. As some claim, the inhabitants of Atlantis are believed to possess exceptional powers such as the ability to control the weather and modify volcanic eruptions. And some accounts also mention possessing a device that allows them to channel energy from time and space itself. Wow. So They can modify volcanic eruptions. Yeah, so that's a lot of stuff about Atlantis right there. Wow. So what do you, th- what do you oh, think so far? It sounds 
more myth than reality. I concur. Like all of it. <laughs> I concur. So we got two main theories here. Main theory number one. It's a myth. It never existed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the travel.com on the travel.com on a November 20th, 2018 article called, quote, Lost City of Atlantis, 25 things we thought we knew but were actually false. The article says, quote, According to LiveScience.com, Professor of Archaeology Ken Fetter notes that in Plato's story, quote, Atlantis is not a place to be honored or emulated at all. Atlantis is not the perfect society. Quite the contrary, Atlantis is the embodiment of a materially wealthy, technologically advanced, and militarily powerful nation that has become corrupted by its wealth, sophistication, and might. In Timaeus, Athens was compared comparatively described as a virtuous state in their worship of the goddess Athena, who prevailed over reason, intelligence, art, and literature. The Atlanteans at the time were seeking new territory to conquer after expanding their empire to continents near their islands. Eventually, they crossed paths with the Athenians. War was raged, and the Athenians repelled the Atlantean invaders and triumphed. Plato said that Atlantis existed about 9,000 years before its own time and that its story had been passed down by poets, priests, and others, but Plato's writings about Atlantis are the only known records of his existence. Plato scholar Julia Anas, Regents Professor of Philosophy at the University of Arizona, had this to say on the matter, quote, The continuing industry of discovering Atlantis illustrates the dangers of reading Plato, for he is clearly, and this I totally, totally agree, for he is clearly using what has become a standard device of fiction, stressing the historicity, historicity, (laughs) stressing that, that, (laughs) so many words in this episode, (laughs) stressing that an event actually happened as an indication that what follows is real. The idea is that we should use a story to examine our own ideas of government and power. We have missed the point if instead of thinking about these issues, we just go off exploring the seabed. The continuing misunderstanding of Plato as historian here enables us to see why his distrust of imaginative writing is sometimes justified. Hmm. And she is saying that Plato is using what we use today where we say, no, this really happened. Like Blair Witch Project. Like this really sure. happened it was... when it didn't really happen. Yeah, and it's yeah. showing you something. Mm-hmm. And I 100% believe this. I think what I think what Atlantis was, was a literary device as, as showing something that would oppose the Athenians who were very intellectual, very art, very writing mm-hmm. oriented. And they wanted to show somebody like them that became corrupted by power as an example as an example and how they were ultimately defeated Mm -hmm. by the athenians and i think that's what i think plato saying no this really this is real you know i think he was like winking saying this was real oh sure you know so i think that people misrepresented or misunderstood what he was doing like i feel took it as fact yeah it's like it's mm -hmm. like if if we were wiped out in a nuclear war and thousand years people found records of us and stuff they would think like the world of the dark tower was a legitimate world sure you know like like they would say Mm -hmm. gilead really existed yes so that's kind of what what she is saying it was in a book it must be real that that he was saying this was real knowing that people would not know it's real except in the future people are like no maybe this was real yeah sure 
As continental drift became widely accepted during the 1960s and the increased understanding of plate tectonics demonstrated the impossibility of a lost continent in the, you know, so basically, yeah. (laughs) yeah. Theories of Atlantis then began to wane in popularity. As live science puts it, quote, Though there remains much mystery at the bottom of the world's oceans, it is inconceivable that the world's oceanographers, submariners, and deep-sea probes have somehow missed a landmass larger than Libya and Asia combined. (laughs) Oh, right, science. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And as far as the crystal story, uh, Snopes, which poo-poos everything. Yep. Somebody wrote, quote, as frequently seems to happen with such earth-shaking paranormal discoveries, Dr. Brown's photographic equipment was destroyed in the storm, thus making it impossible for anyone else to examine or verify a detailed record of the find. And after his supposed incredible discovery of a crystal Atlantean pyramid, Dr. Brown, for some reason, never saw fit to return to the site with additional cameras to document it, even though this amazing structure was supposedly found in an area reachable with ordinary scuba diving gear. Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. like he's yeah. saying, once you think that you would go back, you right. knew where the area was. Right. Like, why didn't you go back? Things don't add up. So there's reasons why... Atlantis might not exist. Might not exist. And I'm in the not. I'm in the not category as well. I'm in the not category. It's fun to think about something like that existing. But like I said, I ultimately think it was a literary device used by Plato, and it just got misinterpreted. Mm -hmm. So theory number two, it did exist. Encyclopedia.com says, quote, while Plato used the model of Atlantis to represent a world of perfect order and contrast, in contrast to all that was imperfect in the world around him, he labeled the story of Atlantis literally, literally true, a significant declaration from him, for Plato was suspicious of fiction and art. If ideas are the primary reality and the material world is a reflection of ideas, then art, as a reflection of the material world, is twice removed from reality, according to Plato. His claim that the Atlantis story is literally true helps sustain the continuing belief that Atlantis does exist. So Mm. they're saying that Mm -hmm. Plato would not have said it was literally true if it was not literally true. Mm -hmm. Where the other side is saying, by him saying that it's true... It was like a winking thing that, no, this didn't really happen. Yeah. So you, you, one of those, you can't have both of those, you know, one of those has to be right. So if it did exist, where was it? And I am not going to go into all these because like literally every place on the planet and elsewhere has been labeled as, (laughs) has been labeled as the, where Atlantis was. Um, from the Marine Insight website, 2002 column called, quote, Top 10 Amazing Facts About the Lost City of Atlantis, it says, the biggest, question, the biggest question that boggles the minds of all scientists is where Atlantis is. The narrate, the narrate, oh, I'm having a hard time with this. <laughs> I the, think you're doing pretty good. Thanks. I'm not, future episodes, I do not want to do this much reading. Like, this is a lot of copy and paste from mm-hmm. articles, and I knew this was going to be that. But I want to have more like paranormal-based stuff where you and I can talk about it as opposed to me just reading. Right. The biggest question that boggles the minds of all scientists is where Atlantis is. The narrations suggested that the city is believed to have sunk into the sea after an earthquake or tsunami. According to legend, the so-called Atlantis was a large island near the Rock of Gibraltar and consisted of a Poseidon statue, concentric walls, and canals. Plato added that the city under the sea should have been somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean. However, no technology has revealed any such town on the ocean bed. While some theories suggest that Atlantis is located in the Mediterranean off the coast of Spain, people also argue that it could even be under Antarctica. 
For a long time, the Azores was believed to be the site of the city of Atlantis. However, new research has revealed a new place, and the scientists are sure that Atlantis can be found in Cadiz, somewhere between the Spain and Moroccan waters. So seriously, like places that have been suggested are Greece, the island of Sardinia, Malta, Turkey, sunk into the Black Sea, Spain, Morocco, the Azores, the Canary Islands, England, Ireland, <laughs> Denmark, Finland, Sweden, South America, North America, and I discovered a book researching this that's, that's called Atlantis Was America and Tampa Was the Royal City. So every place that you can imagine has been believed sure. to have been Atlantis. Um, some of the more interesting ones, and this one I like, is the Bermuda Triangle. Hmm. Because the Bimini Wall was found inside the Bermuda Triangle. And, okay. and they theorize that why stuff goes sideways in the Bermuda Triangle is because like that's where that's where supposedly he found that crystal mm-hmm. or the pyramid under the water and that the crystals are still down there and that's what's interfering with the airplanes and ships flying over. And right, because the object he and had honestly, caused if that. Honestly, I had to pick one place where I would think it is, that's where Bermuda I think Triangle. it would be because mm-hmm. there's the the Bimini Wall is there, the Bermuda Triangle is there. It just makes the most sense. Hmm. So I would pick like that area, like Bahamas there, you know, like that area is the Bermuda Triangle. Another popular place where people believe it was is either on the moon or on Mars. Okay. And they believe that's where Atlantis was. How? I don't know, but yeah, I came weird. across that quite a bit in looking that at That I've never heard before. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There's the people that believe Atlantis was founded by people from Mars, and then there's people that believe that Atlantis itself was on Mars, and that when it sunk on Mars, that that's when they came to Earth. So, yeah. It's a bit much. Another one, like I mentioned, is Antarctica. And I need to do an episode on Antarctica, because there's some weird stuff. Like, there's a lot of stuff about Antarctica. So from History.com's top six theories about Atlantis, one of them says, quote, Another theory that Atlantis was actually a much more temperate version of what is now Antarctica is based on the work of Charles Hapsgood, whose 1958 book called Earth Shifting Crust with a foreword by Albert Einstein. Wow, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. That that is pretty impressive. According to Hap. According to Hapgood, around 12,000 years ago, the Earth's crust shifted, displacing the continent that became Antarctica from a location much further north than it is today. This much more temperate continent was home to an advanced civilization, but the sudden shift to its current frigid location doomed the inhabitants, the Atlanteans, and their magnificent city was buried under layers and layers of ice. Hmm. So they theorize that Antarctica is Atlantis and that underneath all that ice is... I mean, who knows what's down there? (laughs) Yeah, we we need to do an episode about Antarctica because there's a lot of weirdness there. And one of the most popular theories is that it is the island of Santorini. I would love to. Let's go explore. <laughs> should we, that. Should we do? We should we use our money that? for that? Should we use our yeah, money? Greece, get some scuba gear and we'll go looking for Atlantis. Greece is my bucket list. Greece isn't on my bucket list mm. for some reason. Uh, ocean explorer Robert Ballard, and I've come across him quite a bit actually. Ocean explorer Robert Ballard finds logic in the story, as it has similarities with a massive volcanic eruption on the island of Santorini in the Aegean Sea near Greece. And on Reddit, somebody said, what evidence is there to to dismiss the Santorini theory for Atlantis? I'm new to this and just wondering if there's any simple explanation to dismiss this theory. And then somebody writes, Plato's dialogues never mention a volcano. They talk Mm -hmm. about an earthquake and and that stuff. 
Plato also said that Atlantis was destroyed 9,000 years before the time of Solon. The Santorini eruption took place only around 900 years before the time of Solon. The Greeks did not use Arabic decimal notation to write their numbers, so the off-by-ten-times argument that supporters of the Santorini theory use is fundamentally flawed. So, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just think that it's interesting. Uh, Atlantis has elephants and a large enough population of them to build their temple's roof out of ivory. Not sure what that has to do with anything. Uh, Santorini does not lie outside the pillars of Hercules or Heracles, as Atlantis was described as being. The pillars cannot be anything other than the Straits of Gibraltar, because the invading army of Atlantis was specifically described by Plato as having come forth from the Atlantic Ocean, thus independently establishing that Atlantis has to be somewhere in the Atlantic. And then the person writes, there are lots of other reasons. These are just the reasons I can think of off the top of my head. But Santorini constantly shows up as a potential Atlantis place. Okay. From the Greek Legends and Myths website, it says, quote, One of the most common theories put forward for the location of Atlantis is the Greek island of Santorini. Santorini is also known as Thera. A strong case for this place being Atlantis was first put forward by, oh boy, Angelos Galanopoulos in 1960. That's a Greek name if I ever... (laughs) Right? The island of Santorini was partially destroyed by a massive volcanic eruption in 1600 BC. When part of the island fell away into the Mediterranean, a huge tidal wave swept through the region, causing widespread destruction. The circular nation of Santorini allows some mapping of Plato's description of massive harbors and canals to the island. Recent computer modeling to examine the appearance of Santorini before the 1600 BC eruption shows an even closer correlation between that island and Atlantis. Of course, Santorini, while an island, isn't in the Atlantic and it isn't beyond the Pillars of Hercules and was not excessively large. But people still think that that is where Atlantis was. Okay. And another interesting... Again, we need to investigate Yeah, that. another interesting one is the Rishat structure, which I had never heard of before. It's in the Sahara Desert. It's called the Eye of the Sahara. It's a 650-foot-tall dome made up of a type of rock composed of numerous smaller rocks fused together, and surrounding it are concentric rings of stone with low valleys between each forming an eye-like shape when viewed from above. The structure is huge, measuring about 25 miles wide. And it does look like what he kind of described Atlantis to look like, but it's like right there in the Sahara Desert. Yeah. So that kind of doesn't make sense, but there's a lot of people that believe the Rishat structure in the Sahara Desert is Atlantis. So there are some of the places Atlantis is believed to be, Hmm. you know? Yeah. So I don't know. There's too many possibilities. I don't know. So that's enough of that. Now I'm diving more into the stuff about the crystal that was pulled up supposedly out of the the pyramid. So I'm going to talk quite a bit about that. And then I think we're going to go to what do you think? But I love this crystal. Like this crystal stuff. I don't know what it is about. Once I got to this, I was like, ooh, now I'm excited. (laughs) So from a medium.com article from July 5th, 2020 called, quote, the looted orb of Atlantis. And I'm going to pretty much read this whole thing word for word. The first writings about Atlantis come from the famous book Dialogues written by the Greek philosopher Plato in the 4th century BC. According to Plato, the stories of Atlantis were passed down to him by his grandfather, who heard the story about ancient Atlantis from an Athenian statesman called Solon, who learned of the existence of Atlantis from an Egyptian priest who claimed that Atlantis existed 9,000 years before that time. So there's a lot of, I heard from him, he heard from him, he heard from him. 
It's a game of telephone. As an archaeologist, I went to study this artifact, as all people of science should do. Study all the evidence, not just the evidence that fits our comfort levels. However, for the same reason I have hesitated to write this article for four years detailing my findings and observations, I feared that I would be excommunicated from the archaeological community. So he wants to look into this crystal. And he's afraid that he's going to get booted out of the archaeology, sure. you know, because they're going to frown on that. Legendary Egyptologist Flinders Petrie, who was widely considered as one of the founders of scientific archaeology and not just in Egypt, has been quoted as saying, we have an obligation to report what we find to the benefit of the rest of humanity. After years of going back and forth in my head, I came to the conclusion that silence on the matter is contributing to the information blackout. It helps no one to not share what we observe. Ever since I was 11 years old, I had marveled at the idea of Atlantis after reading the controversial book by Charles Berlitz about the Bermuda Triangle and watching an episode from the In Search of series hosted by a then-young Leonard Nimoy. Mm. I used to love, love, love In Search of. Leonard Nimoy's haunting voice has echoed in my mind since the 80s, sparking a fire of curiosity still lit well into my adulthood. <coughs> A close friend of mine and producer of documentaries on mysteries asked to remain anonymous for this article. I will call her T. T reported to me that when she met with Arthur years ago at a spiritual expo that he was attending, and Arthur is the guy who has the supposed orb that, that Ray brought up from the, you know, so he supposedly has that now. T reported to me that when she met with Arthur years prior at a spiritual expo he was attending, she was able to see the orb in private with him. T said as soon as he took it out of its shroud and she laid her fingers on it, she felt a tremendous jolt of energy, causing her to pass out and fall to the floor. When resuscitated, T reported seeing a gigantic form of Thoth, and I think that's like Thoth? an Egyptian god. Okay. Thoth? 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 Look at good Google it. Like he's a, that's an Egyptian god standing nearby, and that his spirit was much taller than the ceiling of the auditorium they were in, which was over twenty feet tall. She told me she had shared this experience of what she saw with very few people, apart from Arthur Fanning, who was with her. I'm simply reporting it here because there are no other eyewitness accounts of people seeing the spirit of Thoth around or inside this orb. Can science substantiate or prove these experiences? No, but eyewitness accounts do count in a court of law. They must account for something, however out there they are. When trying to solve mysteries that have dumbfounded humanity for generations, you can't afford to be selective or overlook anything. So I went into this meeting with zero expectations, certainly not expecting to faint or see some titan-sized ancient Egyptian god come at me. To be honest, I was a little scared at how it would affect me, but I tried to maintain an objective scientific mindset to just observe what I saw. This would be like me seeing some of the stuff that the, uh, from Hellier, the Newkirks have in their museum. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to touch any of those things that Heck are no. like haunted, <laughs> you know? So I understand this, this guy's trepidation. Sure. <coughs> Although I still want to Even play. if you're not sure if it's real. I still want to play with Bet Sphere. I don't care about that. Yeah. <laughs> After T shared his number with me after first speaking to him and giving him the all clear, she warned he would be hard to get a meeting with. About two years of diligently texting and calling the cautious Arthur Fanning, there I was sitting in a crystal shop in Sedona in early 2016. Arthur was a tall American veteran, unassuming, super down-to-earth, kind-hearted man of faith. He shared that he was given the orb from another gentleman that Dr. Brown gave it to after that man couldn't, quote, handle its energy. He's had it in his possession since 1994. 
After exchanging niceties, he interrupted, quote, So you want to see what you came all this way for? I replied anxiously, Yeah, yes, for sure. He turned his back to me, reverently unwrapping the object from its fabric shroud that was stored in a leather pouch attached to his waist. I was surprised and disheartened to discover that the crystalline orb the size of a tennis ball was sadly now in pieces. T didn't know that the orb was now broken either. Arthur told me that the orb cracked open one night after he sensed the orb had absorbed some kind of negative energy and he decided to boil it in water, which caused it to split into four pieces. Yeah. <laughs> Crystal's like, Crystal's like, what? <laughs> yeah, just the idea. Who says, let's boil this thing and see what <laughs> let's, happens. <laughs> let's boil this orb, crystal orb. It has negative energy yeah. in it. Yeah. Before it was split into fragments, witnesses reported seeing the ghostly silhouette of three silvery smoky pyramids inside the orb, visible when turning the orb left or right. I think that part of it is so cool. Mm -hmm. Like the idea that you can look into this orb and when you turn it, you're going to see these pyramids mm -hmm. like move around almost like a snow globe that has pyramids in it, you know? After it has a, a very stop at the gift, gift, gift shop, shop vibe, vibe. It to does. it. <laughs> yeah, like you could manufacture like souvenirs <laughs> right. of this. At long last, after so many years of obsessing on whether the story were actually true, it was unbelievable to be holding this artifact of great mystery in my hands. I could feel a silky quality to its outer exterior, an unusually soft and polished texture, very different from the clear crystal, crystal <laughs> quartz orbs I have held in the past at random crystal shops. Quistal. It wasn't as cold as quartz crystals usually are, and it had a subtle feeling of an electrical charge on its surface, much in the same way that your fingers would pick up on the electrical charge running through them along the screen of an old cathode, cathode, old cathode ray TV. It felt unusual. The other time I felt that same sensation was when I had my opportunity to put my hands on Max, the only ancient crystal skull that the Smithsonian couldn't debunk when they text tested it. That's another episode, possibly, of mm -hmm. Crystal Skulls. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Crystal Skulls, for sure. I could see the natural striations of its interior and could see how the image of pyramids could be caused by these striations. I also noticed the edges of where the break occurred weren't sharp like broken glass. They were smooth and didn't cut my hands. I realized at this moment that I was the only person on the planet holding a potential key to unlocking the secret of Atlantis, an orb with untold powers, one of humanity's biggest unsolved mysteries, if only we had the code to unlock it. During his periodic hour-long sessions at this local crystal shop, Arthur speaks free flow on whatever comes to his mind, though what he believes is that the orb in his hand is from Atlantis, a series of rambling messages that enter his mind when holding the orb. The two main pieces of the crystal wrapped together with copper wire and attached to a wooden rod in a kind of Merlin-esque magic wand. I sat through one of these sessions with two other locals after our meeting. He shared mostly esoteric ideas blended with some interesting messages about our current evolution on the planet, but nothing really clear or concrete. It became clear to me how absurd it was that no one had ever researched this possibly monumentally important artifact. In the show In Search Of, Dr. Brown displays how the object repels a metallic dowsing rod and magnets, and in other interviews he claimed it would make compass needles spin in the opposite direction, similar to what pilots have reported seeing when flying through the area of the Bermuda Triangle. Was this stone in my hands one of the fire stones that Edgar Cayce, the sleeping prophet, shared accounts of Atlanteans misusing that eventually caused their downfall? The late author James Tiburon, professional geologist and specialist on earth energies, also wrote of the famed Two-Eye Stone or the Fire Stone, 
also known as the Emblem Stone, in his unpublished book called The Untold Story of Atlantis, saying, quote, Throughout Atlantis, very specialized six-sided power grid crystals, called two-eyes or firestones, were set in circular domes which could be opened, similar to a planetarium observatory, and angled to receive stellar and solar light. He says that the firestone and two-eye crystals in the phaser system were able to receive, separate, refine, and transduce light rays into secondary and tertiary specialized prisms that further refracted light and fed concentrated beams into the lay energy system for use in myriad ingenious ways. By combining the unique light rays with gaseous elements, it powered the interdimensional tunnel system and fed crystalline coherent light beams of rays into conductive earth currents or ley lines to raise the frequency and convert and blend energies into electromagnetic plasmic gaseous fields. I didn't get any of that. The Atlanteans (laughs) had highly developed inner earth cavern systems connected by elevators and tunnels. They collated various forms of gaseous elements into salt dome chasms and cavernous pits. The system also fed energy into these pits, which could be used to impel craft and form lighter-than-air fields, and an opposition field or anti-gravity field could be used for lifting and suspending objects. They could also be adhered to structures, transport super-heavy objects, move ore, lumber, and all this. Depending on the frequency and blends, the rays could also induce spiritual frequencies, stimulate the consciousness via differing brainwaves, and it could amplify agricultural growth. So there you go. Lots of crystal That's stuff. some crazy claims. And then this, the old author says, what if this enigmatic orb I'm holding held the secret to free energy or unlimited power for all mankind? Was this an example of the tech that allowed Atlantis to be such a powerful global superpower of the ancient world? Is this orb part of a greater technology generating the anomalies in the Bermuda Triangle, causing hundreds of ships, planes, and men to vanish without a trace? Will we ever know? This broken thing in my hand could be the only tangible proof that Atlantis ever existed. The mystery that has possessed so many men and women to this day, and yet no one has seriously studied it. Hmm. Yeah, so there you go. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He says, so I get why Arthur was cagey in meeting me and why it hasn't been studied, because a lot of people poo-poo the idea that this crystal is from Atlantis. I'm one of those people, just being honest. So Dr. Ray Brown, the first person to get it, has died. And it's believed that he passed it to somebody else who passed it to somebody else. Sure. Um, It's like in his will or other scientists? I think just not. I think just people he knows, basically. It's in someone's like closet right now. Yeah. Like old photos and I don't know, baby clothes. Yeah. So back to Dr. Brown, he described a pyramid about 800 or 400 feet tall. Accounts differ. That's a lot of 800 to 400 feet. That's a lot of difference. He said the bottom of the structure was buried underneath the seafloor and that it had a capstone atop the pyramid that he said was a brilliant blue lapis lazuli stone. He said inside the pyramid, he noticed there was no visible lighting, but that it was illuminated somehow and there was no algal growth on the inside as there should have been. So this is where the rod is with the, okay. Well, that's where it came the from, the pyramid. Yep. Yeah. Okay. The rod from the ceiling held a red crystal. He mm-hmm. was able to get the, this one that was underneath it. On the plate with yeah. the hands. He said surrounding the column with the orb were seven chairs embedded into the floor in a circular formation. One of the chairs was more elevated than the others, and behind it was what seemed to be a sculpture of an eagle made from a porcelain-like material. 
Originally uninterested in the crystal orb, he tried to dislodge the golden metallic rod from the ceiling, but could not do it. And he finally just took the orb that he had. And he said, strangely, the divers claimed to have heard the same voice at the same time, even though they weren't inside the pyramid. The voice that said, you got what you came for, now don't come back. Uh... So again, he goes, Arthur was very cautious to meet with me, taking over two years to get a time with him. No one ever asked me for money before or after a meeting. The only public speaking event I was able to find of him was at an 11-11-11 event on YouTube. So people are saying that he's not, he's not like being a shyster and trying to get money out of showing people this crystal because he doesn't really go around promoting, hey, mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing a speaking engagement here and I have the crystal. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Have you seen the movie Prometheus? No, I have not. I'm, I'm th- in my mind. I'm making weird connections that probably don't exist, but just some of the things you're describing remind me of the movie Prometheus. It's a pre, I think it's a prequel to the Alien franchise. I've it's heard- like an ancient civilization yeah. that they discover. Yeah. With, I've heard it's good. I liked it. I really liked it. I'm really into the Alien franchise, though. So we got one more thing with the crystal. It's from the Eye of the Psychic blog from an article called "The Bimini Underwater Pyramid." This person writes, part of the problem and Brown's problem was that even though there was an artifact, there was only Brown's word for it. There were no photographs of the pyramid as Brown was diving without a camera. No one afterwards was able to locate the site or find the structures Brown claims he discovered. The sphere is remarkable, but it is only a crystal sphere with no powers that would make everyone convinced we are in the presence of one of the most important ancient artifacts on the planet. In an interview with Charles Berlitz, Brown said, quote, I'm not the only person who has seen the ruins. Others have seen them from the air and say that they are five miles wide and more than that in length. But the problem, if that were true, that none of the witnesses were on record and had spoken out about it. Brown was one man with an artifact and a story telling a most, mostly interesting but totally uncooperated tale. It meant that in the final analysis, it all bore down to one question. Was he believable? Then Dr. Brown disappeared off the scene. He died in the early 1990s, and the story of the crystal was mentioned by some, but is largely known as, quote, one of those stories with no proof, and the fate of the crystal spheres was unknown. But then, some years ago, the crystal, today dubbed by some people as the Atlantis Orb, resurfaced in the hands of Arthur Fanning, a resident of Sedona, Arizona, who refers to the object as the, quote, Eye of God. I met Arthur Fanning in Amsterdam, Amsterdam. In Amsterdam. <laughs> it's the Bostonian. That was the way Bostonian accent coming out of me in Amsterdam. <laughs> in early November 2009, when he was invited as a lecturer at the Frontier Symposium, I was able to meet the sphere in a private setting as well as hang out with the new owner of himself. I love that you meet the sphere. I know. It's, <laughs> like I said, it's like the Bet Sphere. It, has it really a is like the, Bet, like the Bet Sphere. Arthur was down to earth, relaxed, though he did take the sphere with him everywhere, keeping it in a specially designed pouch on his belt. He lets people see and be around the sphere, even inviting members of the almost 500 people big audience on the stage to come and see the sphere for themselves. I would love to see this thing. Mm -hmm. When I contacted him to verify some details on how he got the sphere into his possession, he said that he knew Brown personally. After Fanning had held a channeling, He invited me to a friend's house for a private showing of the sphere. Before Ray passed on, someone named DJ received this sphere. He had it for about a week, but the energy was way too intense, and he gave it to me. He said he was guided to do so. Fanning also inherited a picture that Ray had commissioned, which depicted how the sphere inside the pyramid was in the two hands that held it, and the golden-colored rod that came down from the ceiling that had the red-faceted gem hovering over the sphere. 
There is no doubt that Fanning's sphere was indeed Brown's sphere, but it was also clear that it took Fanning some time after receiving the object before he decided he would show it. Like Brown, getting massive public attention to the object is not his desire, although once he has an audience, he does allow everyone to see it. At each display, he offers everyone the opportunity to verify the characteristics associated with Brown's crystal, which are, when turned into a specific position in the center of the crystal, three, three pyramid-shaped objects become visible. From another vantage point, when it's turned, a single human eye was said to manifest itself. That's creepy. <laughs> Both during like Brown- the Eye of Sauron? <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Both during Brown and Fanning's exhibitions of the object, there was widespread interpretation and speculation of what this all meant. An association with Atlantis was easily drawn, as after all, it was discovered in a sunken pyramid. Experiments with compass needles revealed that when a needle was placed next to the orb, it would spin cl- counterclockwise, but it, when it was moved away, it would spin clockwise. When she confronted the sphere, <laughs> confronted the sphere. <laughs> Again, like it's a person. Like it's like, yeah. Psychic Elizabeth Bacon believed that it had belonged to Thoth or Toth and that this object was somehow associated with the emerald tablets. No idea what that even is. <laughs> Could Brown's crystal be a remnant of Atlantis? So many rabbit holes. Was the pyramid in which he discovered the object a remnant of Atlantis too? The fact that Brown's story involved a sunken pyramid off the coast of Bimini obviously brings the story into the realm of American psychic Edgar, Edgar Casey, who proclaimed that after 1968, evidence of Atlantis would be found off the coast of Bimini. Was Brown's story the fulfillment of this prophecy? And what to think of Brown? He clearly didn't do it for the money, but hoaxers often go for fame, and if so, Brown definitely achieved his goal. There are no photographs, there are no witness reports, so the central question is whether or not Brown can be trusted. Greg Little relates that after an appearance on the Coast to Coast radio show in which he tackled Brown's fear, he received an email from an elderly man who said he had been a friend of Brown's since childhood. After exchanging a few emails, he related that Brown confided to him that the entire affair was a hoax and that he concocted it to take advantage of all the controversy that had been stirred up by the 1968 discovery of the Bimini Road. So here he's telling people he told somebody that the crystal thing is a hoax, that that's the mm. orb is just a hoax. <laughs> Yeah. So with Brown, all we have today is a sphere, a mute object, except apparently to those who can psychically connect to it, which has some strange capabilities, but which needs to be tested in the near future. If so, then Brown's crystal sphere might finally make it into the ranks of truly amazing anonymous artifacts (laughs) that challenge our current paradigm of what mankind's Past I'm not convinced like. this thing exists. <laughs> I'm so, being honest. So that's it. So what do you think? <laughs> uh, I'm not convinced this thing is, exists. What, I don't the, know. The orb? The, yeah. The orb exists because people have seen it. Uh, they're, like, right, but is it real? Is it a real thing? Is it a real thing that was dredged up from Atlantis, Is from a pyramid, is what you're saying? Yes. Um, so people thought they were looking at something. This right there is the bottom one is what the orb looks like. Oh, there's a picture of somebody cool. holding it in their hand. It's like hand. a crystal ball. Yeah, there's a picture of somebody holding it in their hand and it does it's like a it's smaller than like what you would imagine a crystal ball to be, like half the size of that. Okay. But it looks like a snow globe. It's like hmm. snow globe size. Interesting. But now apparently it's busted into pieces because they tried boiling it to get the negative energies out of it. I also think just the experiences people have with it. Sometimes people go into stuff like that expecting to have an experience and so of of course, they're going to well, the, think something happened. And when the person they that saw it. Toth or Thoth or right. whatever the Egyptian god's name is might just be trying to get their name out there, you sure. know? Or they did peyote before they showed like, up. Whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> I buy the, the bet sphere 
way yeah, before there's, there's I way buy. more evidence around there that is. And eyewitnesses. And it's like, you know, yeah. like I kind of believe so the guy photos. that emailed saying, no, I've been friends with Brown forever. And he confided in me that it was a hoax that he just wanted to mm-hmm. build off you know, like Casey predicted in the late 60s, there would be something that would give proof of Atlantis. And then the Bimini Road was discovered, mm-hmm. which which a lot of people think is a natural formation, that it wasn't like a made road. I gotta look up pictures of that. And uh, that this guy f- made this orb to like build off of sure. that. But he, he also didn't go out of his way to publicize it or to make money off it. So I don't know. So what do you think? Yay or nay? Atlantis? Uh, nay, all of it. Nothing? <laughs> I'm naying all of it. Bimini. Bimini Wall or Bimini Road. Road. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's no real evidence of anything. No. I feel like it is a a literary device that Plato used to compare the Athenians with another opposing Athenian sure. like sort of so that's people. the Bimini Road. Yeah. It's actually kind of cool. It is, but there's a lot of people that say it's a natural formation, and then there's other people that believe that that was the road that connected Bimini to the Isle of Atlantis. I'm going to default that, to the scientists. And that Atlantis is below where the Bermuda Triangle is, and that's yeah. why these this these crystals that can do all sorts of things are affecting the ships. But we also did an episode on the Bermuda Triangle yep. and kind of poo-pooed it that yep. it's not what it's cracked up to be. Exactly. So my, what do you think is, I don't think it exists. Yeah, And same. I'm sad to say it, but I don't think the orb is a mysterious Legit. orb from a pyramid underwater. Right. So there you go. There's Atlantis. What do you guys think? Do you guys think Atlantis exists? Yeah, so many people voted on this as the topic. So I'm curious I know. To know I just, I've just never been into it. Like, it was the same with the Bermuda Triangle. It's weird. Some stories like that, I'm just not into. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just that I like the more obscure ones that we don't know a lot about, but I just 100% think that Atlantis was something that Plato used as a literary device. Yep. And, and said, this is true, wink, wink. You know, and... and people read too much into it and then these like if those people if that donnelly wouldn't have made that book about how atlantis is responsible for everything that it probably would have just fell into history and nobody ever would have even cared about mm-hmm. it so it's that's, just part of the whole yeah. greek mythology thing so that's what i think yep same cool what do you guys think let us know atlantis yay or nay what time are we looking at because i still got my story hour and 39 minutes we're Dang. tracking pretty we're good okay. all right so are you ready for what happened at school? I am. I'm so ready. This was weird. Well, it you was, wrote it down. I, I didn't it. write it down. Oh, okay. I, I mean, and the thing that sucks is that I'm going to have to post some pictures so you're going to, because you're going to have to get a picture in your head of where okay. all this your stuff is. So basically- I'm what, more excited about this than Atlantis. Than Atlantis. <laughs> it was the damnedest thing I've ever seen because like I said, I was looking at it. I was not out of the corner of my eye. It wasn't dark. It was two o'clock in the afternoon and- uh so what happens is we have something called pack time, which is basically recess where we bring our kids outside. Okay. And they call, oh, they're little packs? Because we're the wolves, Washington wolves. Oh, that's so cute. So it's pack. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Okay. So that we have the we have the pack way being prepared, you know, like all those things. Like mm-hmm. it's so it's pack time, you know. Cute. And uh I'm tasked, one of my duties is the door that most of our kids go out. I now stand at that door because kids try to sneak back in and they don't want kids roaming the halls during pack time. Sure. So basically at pack time, I put on my jacket and I go stand outside this door of the school while kids come out the door. And usually I have a gathering that just hangs out with me and talks to me. Mm -hmm. 
and I just stay there. So this is so hard to describe, but I'm going to put pictures on Facebook. My, where my door is, is almost like a cul-de-sac. Like my door comes out of obviously one of the walls of the school. And over here, there's a wall going this way where the art room and stuff is that ends in a point right where my door is. Okay. So there's my door and then there's like a point there. And then there's the other building here. So imagine like two sides of a triangle coming together. Sure. And my okay. door is kind of at that point. And along the other side of the triangle is like the, the sidewalk and a tree and stuff that goes out to the playground area, the back area where the bowl is and the football field is. But also along that wall is the maintenance building. And okay. along that wall, there's a set of two doors that we call the shed because that's where we keep the kids' sleds and the rubber balls they use for Foursquare and the jump ropes. Okay. And that's always locked. And when it's pack time, you'll, you'll picture this better when you look at the pictures on Facebook. But at pack time, we open that door I'm usually the first one out there. So they're all like, Mr. K, Mr. K, go open it because they want the sleds right now because of mm-hmm. the snow. Sure. So they, they're like, go open the door. So I go unlock the door. They all go into this little, it's like a old, like imagine a shed. It's like, a, but it's big. It's like a bigger room and it has a room in the back that goes off behind the corner where there's, I don't know what's back there because I've actually never been back there except this day I went back there. But um, it's got a light bulb, but it's generally super dark in there. Mm-hmm. And I open the door, the kids get their toys and stuff, and then they go out and play. But it got to the point where kids would hang out in there because it was warm, because it is attached to the building. It's oh, actually attached sure. to the building and it's warm. Okay. So they would hang out in there, which we didn't want. So we got to the point where they would get the toys. I would lock it. More kids would come out. They would get sleds. I would I'd go over, unlock it. When they got their stuff, I would unlock it. But now we're, we're just like, just leave it open. We'll just keep an eye on it. So this day I had gone out there, I had opened it, kids went in and got their stuff and I didn't lock it, but I don't know if it was open a crack or if it was kind of like shut tight to look like it was locked, but I feel like it was open a crack. So this day I had one student named Jeremy with me and we were probably talking about ghost hunting actually standing at the doorway with me. So, so where he, where is the shed door from where you're standing talking? Is it just like along the wall? Yeah. Okay. Like where I'm standing talking, I'm, I'm, I'm basically looking. This day I was looking right at it. Okay. So I'm sitting here talking to Jeremy. And uh, you know, I don't. we're probably talking about ghost hunting or Red Dead Redemption 2 because he's playing that video game right now. So I'm talking to him. And while I'm talking to him, like I said, it's 2 o'clock. It's sunny. I'm talking to him and I'm looking at the shed door. And... All of a sudden, from inside the shed, I see a hand come out through the like the crack in the door. Nope. And the arm come out and reach around and grab the handle of the door. And Jeremy even said, after he and I were talking about this, he said the physics of that does not... He said, he said literally the physics of that does not make sense. It was like the arm, the hand and arm came out from inside the shed. Grabbed, Did he see it? No. Because okay. he was talking to me at the time. Okay. Grabbed the handle of the door and like pulled the door shut even though their arm was in the door. Is it a sliding door? No, it's like it's a pull. A, that kind yeah. of door. Oh, that doesn't But it was like sense. the arm came out, grabbed the hand. It was a kid's arm, a kid's <gasps> hand and a kid's arm. And I, it, I feel chills. like it was female. I feel like it was female. So I see this arm snake out of there through the crack in the door, grab the handle, and then maybe it pulled it and then brought the hand back in. So really the door fast. shut tight. Yeah. And I was like, 
I told Jeremy, I'm like, dude, there are people hanging out in a shed. And I was mad because I was keeping an eye on it so mm-hmm. that nobody was in there. So I was sure that kids were like hiding out in there. So he and I walk over to the shed door and I yank the doors open and there's nobody there. <laughs> so he and I go into the shed and I have my flashlight on my camera, uh, on my phone. And I go back into the section that goes back behind the corner, sure that there's a kid hiding out back mm-hmm, there that mm-hmm. would laugh when I found him. And there's nobody in there. We and searched. There's no other entrance. We, no, we searched in the barrels. We, you know, because they, they have barrels where like the balls are, and sometimes kids climb in them. We searched everything, and I, and 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 Jeremy was like, "This is weird." Like I clear as day because I was. Was there a coat? No, it was just a, a like, bare arm. It was just a bare arm in was, the winter, and I feel like it was a girl's arm and hand. Like it came out through the crack in the door, grabbed the handle from inside mm-hmm. and like pulled it. It's weird and, that there wouldn't be a coat sleeve, yeah, you know, because no. it's cold out. And I'm like, did we miss somebody? So he and I sat there the rest of the, the recess, watched the door and there was, I think it's probably a snowplow. Okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> there was no, and there shaking? was nothing. There was nothing. Nobody came out. Oh, there was nobody so in there. And it was weird because, like I said, it wasn't like it was out of the corner of my eye. I'm staring yeah. at the door when I'm talking to him and I see this arm snake out of there, grab the handle, pull the door shut from inside. And it was clear as day. Like, oh, that's like, so creepy. Like I wasn't even, at first, I, was, I wasn't even Legit, thinking it was anything it was weird because I thought it was a kid that some kids decided to stay in there because it was warm. And there's nobody in there. And what's weird is that it's connected to the building. And where that connects to the building is the room that I'm in in the basement. And outside that room is where I heard the kid's voice say mommy in my ear. Oh, interesting. So it's almost like, and it's like, did something weird happen in that shed (sighs) over the years? But I was, I like, I walk past that when I walk in because I walk in through that door in the morning. Or maybe something weird happened in the school and that shed was a place of refuge. Possibly. Hmm. Possibly. But now when I walk past that in the morning when it's still dark and I walk into school, I'm like legitimately freaked out by that because all the times like we've done ghost investigations, I have never seen anything this this clearly and solid yeah it like was solid it like was i was person. watching it happen and i was just pissed because i'm like somebody is in the shed and i did not think anybody <laughs> stayed in there clenched teeth so jeremy and i march over there and i yank the doors open and there's and nobody in, in there. there and i saw the arm clear as day come out from inside the shed wow so that was that was that's when because you, you texted me and that's when i texted you and i said something really weird just, i was still outside when i said something really weird just happened whoa <laughs> okay so that's, that's my story about what happened at school. Wow. Yeah. And I don't know. Dang, I want to investigate. I don't know what to school. make of that because it was 100% clear as day. There's something unless super I hallucinated about that. it. Unless, yeah. Only seeing like somebody, an arm? Yeah, like somebody inside the, sh- something inside the shed wanted the door shut so that yeah. nobody came in there. That's creepy. You know, did something happen to some student in there at one mm. time? It's, I hate I thinking know. about that. Right, but yeah. It was weird. And then, of course, I told Jeremy, like all the students knew about it later. And they were like, Mr. K saw a hand come out of the, the shed. <laughs> but I'll post, I have like three pictures. Okay. One of looking into where my doorway is. One at looking at the shed and like a closer up of the shed door. Hmm. But it was weird because that's Intrigue. one time that I saw something 100% dead on when I am watching it. It wasn't like a movement out of the corner of my eye. I'm watching this happen. I'm watching this arm come out in the hand and grab the handle and then go back in. So I don't know what to make of that. Yeah. But that's my story. <laughs> so Stories when people see something that's so real, they think it's a person. Yeah. Those things yeah. really creep me like out. Like I said, I never in a million, I never ever once entered my mind that that wasn't real because mm-hmm. I was sure it was a kid sitting, like, like trying to hide in there. And 
we went in there and I had my flashlight and we're looking in every corner. We're looking at every barrel and Jeremy's like, dude, nobody is in here. And wow. I'm like, like he didn't see it because he was talking to me at the time. But yeah. I told him, I said, I just saw an arm come out of the... So he was, he thought that was awesome that he was there, like kind of when that happened. Yeah. So there wow. you go. That's, okay. my, that's my school story. I, yeah, I'll post a couple pictures creepy. of the area on Facebook. Okay. Wow. I know now I want to leave my recorder in there. Right. Like I said, I'm convinced that something is going on at that school. I'm 100% You've had convinced. too many experiences yeah. for there not to be. Yeah. So there you hmm. go. Okay. Wow. Song choices. While you're looking that up, I just want to mention... Skinamarink. Oh. Have you watched it yet? No, did you? No. Well, oh. I found out now. So my work Kurt, <laughs> you're my Kurt. Mm-hmm. He's work Kurt. Mm-hmm. He called me to tell me that, well, he called me for something work related also, but then he, our conversation finished with him telling me about this movie and how I have to watch it. I have to watch it. I think I can rent it on Prime, Amazon Prime. So I might, I'm not going to do that while my mom is still here. Um, listen to the prologue people if yeah. you want to know why my mom is here, but um, she would not enjoy a movie like that. <laughs> but I now I feel like I have to watch this movie. So people were talking but about it. On I've Facebook heard too. such. I've heard such different. Re- I Mixed saw one reviews. really bad review where one yep. guy says, "I don't want to watch a movie where like for ten minutes I'm looking at a door frame, yeah, and nothing is happening." You know. So work. Kurt said that they they do a really good job at building tension making you feel uncomfortable and even agitated and annoyed by prolonging scenes in a very purposeful way. He's like the whole movie, you're just like never at ease. And that that's what he thinks that is about. So yeah, I'm cool with that. I like movies that kind of create tension like that. And you never, apparently you never see anything. Yeah. It's like Blair Witch where it's all what's in your imagination. So I'm I'm itching to watch this movie. I just I, haven't gotten to it yet. I sent you that one that I watched, I think called Freaky. Oh, did you send me a, a YouTube yeah, it link? Was, it okay. was, it's made by the same people, the same director that did Happy Death Day, oh, which yes, I yes. love both okay. Happy Death Day movies. I got to get to that. I haven't the, watched like that the, yet the teenage girl like, Yes. Switches like switches into the like the serial killer's body. It's like a body. Freaky Friday. It's like Freaky Friday. That's yes. where the title came from. Yeah. It was a little more like the Happy Death Day movies aren't dirty, but I feel like this one was a little more vulgar word okay. wise. Mm-hmm. But from what I hear, he wants to do a crossover Happy Death Day and this movie. Oh, nice. But the actress that's in this movie, I love her. Catherine Newton. Hmm. She was in uh, yes, Map you... of Map of Tiny Perfect Things. Like, yeah. I love her. I like, I'm a big crush on her. I think she's in the TV. It's like a... She's um... in a couple things. Yeah, it's on Netflix. I yeah. was trying to watch. The, yep. so- the Society or yeah, something she's like a, that? Yeah, she's in okay. something, but I just adore her. Yeah, she's I tried. Cute. I watched the first season and a half of manifest and i just couldn't get into it Hmm. i was started falling asleep watching it and i just i tried watching it too and i couldn't get into it but what i watched two days ago for some reason this has been a weird synchronicity because this pops up a lot like i saw the dvd set at a thrift store and this is something that you would not think that i would be interested in watching but it was like i had all these things that it's like watch this show watch this show you would like the show so i watched the pilot episode two days ago and it was literally one of the best hours of television I ever watched and that was the first episode of Friday Night Lights. Oh really? Like I could care less about football football, like high school football but I keep hearing that it's so good and then it kept like popping up for me Mm. in weird places like a synchronicity saying watch this. So I watched the first episode and I was blown away by like how good it was and it wasn't I wasn't expecting it. It's 
to be shot the way it was. It was almost like a found footage, like newscast. Oh, thing. interesting. Yeah, I've but never way, watched it. But you should at least watch the first episode because, like I said, for somebody that doesn't care about football, I mean, I. I like got teary during parts of it. I was like cheering during parts of it. It was actually hmm. really, really good. So I highly recommend. Like you gotta watch eighteen ninety nine. I tried and I couldn't get into oh it. Oh my gosh! Give it more. Give it another <laughs> shot, Kurt. I'm yeah. telling okay. you, give it because I couldn't. I the tried. whole time I was like, Kurt is gonna love this. So I you tried get and through. I couldn't get into that. Was it just either. the first episode that you like watched? the first two or three episodes? Oh. I just could not get into. Maybe I'll try it again. Yeah. But now I want to watch fr- all the five seasons of Friday Night Lights because it was really good. I watched the first episode of Outlander. How was that? It was good. It's yeah. it's like a show about time travel or something. Yeah. Which I didn't realize. So yep. I have to get... There's a lot of stuff I want to watch. I just have to wait till my mom's not here. I was looking for that Missing 411 UFO Connection movie, and I could not find it on anything that I have. Oh, I was going to say, it's I, those are usually on Prime. Yeah. And I got rid of Prime. Now I have Netflix. Mm, gotcha. Okay, your song choice. My song choice While we digress. My first one, and this comes from the trivia contest, because I end up finding a lot of songs I like during the trivia contest. And what's weird is that usually when a song is playing during the contest, I have like six tabs open and I'm trying to find answers to three different really obscure hard trivia questions. So a lot of the time, I'm not even paying attention to what song is playing, but every now and then one of them kind of gets through and I find myself like humming it later, like hours Mm -hmm. later in the contest. And this was one of those songs that I actually really like. And it's even it's hard to explain what the song is like because it's kind of it's almost got like a seventies eighties yacht rock feel, but it's also like modern. But some of the YouTube comments for this are: somebody wrote this song really makes me want to travel more. Somebody else says this lyric video is executed flawlessly. It's the right type treatment. It has playful illustrations. It has an unassuming photo. It has warm and adventurous lyrics all on a rhythm and beat that makes you want to dance. Well done. Somebody else said the whole theme and vibe the song is going for is awesome. Somebody else writes, bringing back that yacht rock. (laughs) And then somebody else writes, living it up wherever you want to go is just the key on how to go and feeling every moment of it wherever whenever just feel it don't overthink everything don't even read my comment just feel the music <laughs> and deal with it all and this is the song the world by somebody named Benny Sings hmm. Never and heard it's of it. like it's just one of those songs that like when I'm listening to it I'm like dang I like this I love hmm. the the chorus the, the the female singing the chorus like I love the chorus of this song and it's not it's not going to change your life it's not one of those songs that <laughs> but it's just one of those songs that I paid attention to because I really liked it and it is the song The World by Benny Sings my second song is just a two minute punch to the face of punk pop music maybe this kept showing up in my suggested song so i finally listened to it and i'm like dang so now i downloaded it of course and it's one of my energy songs while i'm driving and i need something one of the youtube comments under this says i'm gonna have to file a complaint because this song just punched me in the face with raw energy <laughs> somebody else writes <laughs> <is> assaulted <laughs> somebody else writes this is very good i can hear and feel the mid to late 90s pop punk influences good stuff i sincerely wish this young man a bright future Somebody else writes, whoa, one of the best pop pop punk songs to drop this year. Somebody else writes, I know the next song that's going to be on repeat for the next few days. And then somebody else writes, when your only possible complaint about a song is that it's way too short, you know you have a masterpiece. And this is the song Sideways 
by Jack Kays and Travis Barker. Travis, Travis Barker, Barker is the drummer for Blink-182. Blink 182, yep. Like, I like... Like, I like Travis Barker's drumming stuff. Like, he... I can't think of his name, but there's another artist that I like and I only discovered because it showed up in my suggested music, Travis Barker and... Oh, I can't it's think of his... It's not Machine Gun Kelly, is no. it? I know they've collaborated. No, I can't think of his name. Ugh, this is going to drive me nuts. I can't think of his name, but but it was with Travis Barker and this one. And then I went and watched Jack Kay's other stuff, and it's a lot of like slower, like acoustic stuff, mm. but this song is just like bang, pop punk energy, just like a, a rock song about getting drunk. <laughs> that's okay. basically That's basically what it is, but it's like I love this song, and I find myself singing along to it, singing it when I'm not even listening to it. So it is the song Sideways by Jack Kay's and Travis Barker. All right. There you go. Do we got anything else or are we cutting this one down? <laughs> I think we're, well, we're at an hour and 57 minutes. So, Dang. We yeah. did want to keep it under two hours. <laughs> we did. So oh, we get the did. deets going then. <laughs> yeah, we'll get the deets going. Email us at thestrangesessions at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Strange Session without the S. Uh, we are on Instagram where Krista does an amazing job at the Strange Sessions. You can send postcards and snail mail to this. We forgot to do a listener question. Uh, oh, yeah. We'll do one. Yeah. We'll do one right after the deets. Okay. You can send postcards and snail mail to The Strange Sessions, P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. You can call our lonely little phone line at 920-443-9602. And you can send listener stories to The Strange Sessions Stories at gmail.com. Yes. And, and the I, phone line is just a voicemail. Nobody's going to answer it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't think you're going to call and talk to one of us. I'll wake up. And, what do you want? <laughs> do you know what time it is? Yeah. Eight o'clock at night. People are sleeping. Um, I do know Adam wanted to know our our website to ask us a question, so okay. I'm pretty sure that we have one. Cool. Oh, this app is not accessible right now. Oh. So I guess really? we don't have a question right now. Okay. Lovely. Uh, <laughs> question: What can do we have a general question we can answer? Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't. What are know. your hopes for season seven? <laughs> um. <laughs> more haunted stuff more haunted we're gonna yep. do like we said our mini mini mysteries are going to be haunted locations and a road trip that actually happens well yeah a road trip we want to do even <laughs> if it's just a Paulding. yeah but we also have an idea for what we want to do when Aaron comes on which I texted yes, you about yes, and yes, that yes. would be cool because it it's kind be of so like fun. a mini little road trip mm-hmm. and it would be neat to see some place that's supposedly haunted yeah you know but it's so not too far we, away yeah we want to kind of I, I would like to do more Bring my digital recorder and get like stitch into the episodes us somewhere else talking, like doing, doing like, a little investigation. Maybe. You know, we want to mm-hmm. we 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 would love to go to Stoughton and meet up with Vicky and talk to Vicky and record it and then have it as like chunks mm-hmm. and t- do an episode about our experiences in Stoughton. Yeah, you know, so we want to do more stuff like that this season, not just you and I in down the here. field. Yeah, you and I. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds so professional. You yeah. and I out in the field. Field uh, research. Sounds x-files or something <laughs> yeah, yeah. us out in the field so that's kind of what we want to do is more of that so that's what i'm looking forward it's literally to. just gonna be me and, and you i standing love in the some field. of the topic ideas i have yeah. coming up uh and you think we're gonna run out by season 10 we might be going a little stale you know <laughs> chris is just rolling her eyes and shaking her head at me yeah but we'll see what happens so i think that's it for the season seven opener 
like I said, hopefully this was okay. I mean, did you think this was okay? I think so. I think there are people who are really into Atlantis who will appreciate this. I hope so. I just, like I said, I just can't get into it. I don't know what it is. I'm just not that excited about Atlantis. I don't even think there's anything we really need to edit out. I stumbled over a lot of words, but... Yeah, that's us. Whatever. Welcome to our (laughs) rinky-dink hometown podcast. Welcome to the strange sessions. (laughs) So I think... we apologize. (laughs) So now we got to record the side sessions, and And then we got to record our book club podcast. So we're going to be down here a while. We are. Uh... I don't, I'm just going to pee in my coffee cup, if oh, that's okay with you. It's not, actually. Okay. I have a bathroom upstairs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think that's it. Okay. So, assuming it doesn't snow. Yeah. I just, even with the snow, I need to get down here for this because people have been waiting for a season premiere and I did not want to do this over, over Skype. Over Skype, But yeah. if it would have been like this outside for any other episode, I would have said, let's just Skype it. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm down here. We got it done. It's in the books. So. Yep. Thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah, we appreciate it. For our new listeners, thank you for finding us. For our old listeners, I don't know why you do it, but, but thank you for, for sticking, sticking around. with us. <laughs> yep. Maybe they just keep hoping we're going to get good. Oh, you know? that's nice. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love their I love their optimism. Yep, me too. So we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back in two weeks. So until then, until next time, stay, stay strange. strange. Nailed it. Got it.